Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We have Brian Bullen in the house today. We're going through dozens of pages uh, from his tenure at uh, 2000 AD, working on Judge Dredd in particular. Going to get to ask him all the questions that we've always wanted to ask about uh, his his uh, his work on uh, Judge Dredd. Brian, thank you so much for uh, for joining us again, sir. Thanks for having me again. And uh, I do want to, like we did the killing joke a couple of weeks back, and I do want to uh, make mention that, like, we suggested that maybe it was uh, it was pen and ink art that was done, but uh, you're a brush guy when it comes to inking, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I never used uh, um, a pen. Uh, everything I drew, everything that you can see here was drawn with a, I think it was called a, a Series 6 Number 3 Windsor & Newton brush. All except for the straight lines, which I would have used um, a repeatograph and a straight ruler of some sort. I would imagine that the curve of the top of the, I think it's called Lawgiver or something, the gun was would have been done with a template of some sort, right. with a repeatograph. But uh, all the line work, uh, you know, all the rest of the line work is done with with a brush. That is unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, wow. And I, th I think, I understand that Dick Giordano um, uh, um, inked with a brush too. His work always looked very uh, penny, really, but I believe he, he worked with a brush. Yeah, that is wild because you think about the stuff he did with Neil Adams and, and some of that fuss yeah. inside the knees and thing, the ha basically yes. hatching. Uh, this did, did, did Neil use a pen with his, for his inking, do you think? I, I think he did. I think he used uh, all sorts of tools. Yeah, brushes, uh, markers. Did you ever interview Neil? We 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 did not. That that is no. that is uh, that that makes me super sad. But I I got to see him draw a couple of times uh, at conventions and things, and it's a it's a real yeah. wild uh, approach where he's just putting marks all over the paper. Oh, it's it, you it's saw it. So loose, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I, yes, I, I know I, I know his work very well. I followed his work, you know, ever since I was nineteen, I guess. Yeah. Younger, in fact, um, uh, wonderfully sort of um, um, anarchic. That's the word I'm looking for, wasn't it? <laughs> he would, Terrific to look at. So I'm draw once at uh, Heroes Con, and he would draw like a couple of marks at this part of the paper, a couple of marks up there, a couple over here, oh. and then just slowly you would see a Batman materialize. Like the marks down oh, here would really? start to connect up here. Yeah, it was very different than how they teach you in little art books and things yeah, right. with drawing eggs and oh, really? cylinders and stuff. Yes, I always start with the left eye, and then work my way out. Is that true? Well, the right eye, as as we're looking at it, but uh, I always start with that one. Interesting. This was a piece that I was very excited uh, to to see in this book, and it's a piece that I actually asked uh, you about when we uh, interviewed you the first the first time around because of this stipple approach. Fascinated yeah. me whenever I would see it in old uh, you know online and places like that and uh, to, to see you use that especially drawing at this big size like that yeah. go go look at drew friedman's artwork like yeah. th that could become a very laborious thing but you you seem to get from dark to light pretty i i really like drew Fried friedman's stipple work i like if anything i liked it more than his painted work uh, but uh, he's a very good artist uh, yeah yeah um frank bellamy was a very well um liked British artist going all the way back into the 50s with uh, the Eagle comic and he used the stipple effect like that and I guess I must have just tried it just the once it was my very first piece of British comic art no it, would it have been I think it pretty much was my very first piece of uh, British comic art 
And so I wanted to impress, I guess, by trying something. But I didn't, I didn't, and I have the artwork here. You see. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and I've got my image is not going in <laughs> like a mirror image, so it's difficult right. to know whether left or right. But can you see that? Yes, sir. Uh, that that begs a question. Uh, do you recall how many po of those uh, Power Man pages you might have drawn? Oh, um, well, I reckon it was getting up up towards three hundred. Wow. But we didn't. Get we didn't get any of the artwork back at all. Um, we Did got you... really no. We got paid for them about seventeen pounds a page, something like that. Um, and we never saw the artwork. I don't think anyone's ever seen the artwork to Power Man. How, how Where did... it is? What were the procedures with the two thousand AD artwork? Uh, would, would they hang on to those pages? Um, well, the procedure with that was that uh, um, IPC or Fleetway—I can't remember what they were at the time. The policy was not to return the artwork at all. So they had these vast collections of um, bits of artwork in what they call the vaults and um, they didn't return any. Um, well, there is a kind of story there because eventually they decided there was so much of this stuff that they had to uh, think about returning it to the artists. And uh, yeah, and so we did get some back. I think I remember reading somewhere, we might have asked you, like at, at some yeah. point they, they asked you to like buy it back or something, it had some sort of administrative fee? Um, well, I can't quite remember what the, what the motive and what, why they were worried about the artist getting getting the artwork. But, but eventually, when they decided to return it, they said, well, that's great, but the artist must pay to have transparent, transparencies made of each of the pages, uh, each page they have returned to them. Um, and not only that, but we actually had to tell them which was our pages that we wanted returned. So it was quite a laborious business of um, cataloging what issue, what page in what issue was my page that needed to be returned, and then the business of getting transparencies made. I don't know whether that was ever done. It was certainly not by me. So and, and, and in the end, over 100 pages that should have come back to me had gone missing. I was going to ask that. Uh, did any of those black market pages sh show up in this book? That's a very good question. Uh, the, the pages that were returned to me went through Forbidden Planet, the, the shop in London, and to show that they were authentically uh, acquired, uh, returned to me, I signed my name, I believe, in red ink. Now, I can't, I can't see what colour those signatures are. Is that black? Yes. Yeah. But if it's got my signature on it, then it must have been legit. And it does um, look but... like your hand. Yeah, I don't know really. Um, I, I I do have a list somewhere. I haven't got it here uh, of the the pages that were spiraled away by other people. Yeah, so there's... I couldn't tell you what's. I mean, that one's definitely one of mine. One that was, was returned to me. Brian, were the scripts comparable to um, like like Alan Moore's script for Killing Joke? You know, we have in the uh, in publication, so we can see it. Were the scripts for yeah. these stories similar? Like full uh, script. Well, I mean, there's. There's never been anything as thorough as, as Alan's scripts, um, but but it is all done full script. Uh, John Wagner or whoever was writing it um, was giving me full script. Um, the, we didn't do it the Marvel way. Um, but I, since we don't have the script here, I, it, it's going to be difficult for me to tell you whether I adhered closely to the uh, instructions or not. I can't imagine th that I decided on my own to have that 
kind of buzzsaw thing chopping its way through that vehicle. That, that would have been John <laughs> Wagner, or whoever wrote that. Brian, I, I, I remember. I remember in that particular. You see, the thing is, I think the the pages in this book are not in story order, no. are they? Because not all of them have been found. Right. I'm not sure whether you can go page by page and pick up a story, but I do remember that in the script it did say that the what was that vehicle called? I can't remember what it was called. I actually had the toy of that vehicle. Um, they gave, gave me one so that I knew what it looked like. More angles. I don't know what's, what's happened to it. But in the script, I do remember it, it saying that it um, sort of crawled up with its crawler tra tracks or whatever you call them, up the faces of the Mount Rushmore presidents. And I thought, how could he possibly do that? So I just had to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, the thing going up an almost vertical surface. I do remember that. I see you using Strathmore 500. I, I don't suppose that the 2000 AD Am offices I? supplied you with that. Yeah, I see a little stamp here uh, ah. that's like the sort of... Mm -hmm. uh, Do you know something? This is going to be a very um, patchy interview because I really can't even remember whether I acquired the paper myself or whether they supplied it. Right. I mean, if I said they didn't, I could, I could be slandering them. <laughs> I say that I because... Because historically, certainly in American comics, uh, you'll see people on record like like Bernie Wrightson, who said that like the blue line paper at DC was just yeah. two steps above toilet paper, and then they made Dick ah. Giordano like try it, and he was like, "Oh fuck that! Like we're 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 gonna change paper stocks." And Strathmore five hundred for the people at home, that's the best paper that that's the best Bristol you can you can get. So it's kind of it's a cheeky joke, uh, supposing that uh, the publisher would actually. Go for the best and not uh, right. You know. Well, the, the I don't know whether you can see this. Where is the Where's the camera on this thing? But the the back of this bit of artwork. Um, I, I I'm pretty certain I would have bought this myself because um, it says CS10. Uh, well, there's, a lot, there's a lot of very fancy writing on there, but I I suspect I would have bought this stuff myself. I because I, I think it was quite a novel thing when I got to DC and they. Um, they they were actually sending me DC paper to uh, to draw on. So this, I'm pretty certain I bought this stuff myself. Uh, late later pages were drawn on kind of floppy, um, floppy paper like this. Right. Is that the right way up? This is very weird because it's yeah. going not in. <laughs> that is actually um, um, uh, an inserted page into into one of the Titan editions. I see. When the pages were out of sequence. I think they needed to start a story on the right page. So I added a couple of extra pages just to, uh... and I don't think it made it into your book, that one. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, absolutely. Would they give you some leeway? Did they know your speed of production? And uh, 2000 yep. AD, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's a weekly uh, magazine. So yeah. would they say that, okay, we know Brian Bolland's speed. Uh, it's going to take him a little while. We're, we're going to give him a story that we expect maybe a month in advance, two months in advance, anything like that. Or, or uh, were you expected to turn a Judge Dredd story around pretty rapidly? Um, they did know I was slow. They knew I was much slower than, well, Carlos could do a page a day easily. Yeah. Um, Mick was, Mick McMahon was faster than me. Um, and gradually, gradually, as I sort of got myself more into the position of being a Judge Dread artist, they, they did realize that um, they were going to have to give me just the amount of time 
that I required, especially when it came to the dark judges. They gave me, uh, they, they actually um, uh, timed it so that Carlos's epic apocalypse war didn't start until after my run on the dark judges um, okay. was completed. I think they gave me a few weeks to do that. I think there was about 30 pages of that. Amazing. What have we got here? I think we're looking at that toy again. That little oh, digger, yes. digger machine. Oh yeah, it it had a name, and I don't re I don't know whether it's it's probably not called that in in on on this page, is it? But uh, uh, that was fun. Was I'm not it, very good at vehicles, actually. I have to admit that. Killdozer, Raider. The Killdozer. Could it could it be that? Killdozer was a uh, comic. It in, was in, in Battle of um, oh, yeah, It was yeah. In a caption on that yeah. previous page. Yeah. What was this little pill? <laughs> character called yeah he's a mascot for uh, alka-seltzer here in the alka states seltzer, yes, that's right and that's what all this uh, is we got the jolly green giant these pages did not come to america no. in the in the eagle uh comic no. series that, that came to the states because of all the mascots of <laughs> colonel sanders colonel sanders might have been alive yeah <laughs> at the time yes michelin man well you know you, you know that um the green giant company um s attempted to sue them for that um they there was a, a legal tussle over the green giant sweet corn stuff and um the, it, I, I think there were the, the, the green giant company were given a free ad in 2000 ad at some point <laughs> uh, and and these pages were never reprinted uh, in the later editions were they well, until quite recently was all the lettering pasted up or uh, would that be a consequence of you taking your time and then they have to like rush? No, 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 that's just the way they do it. That's yeah. they, that is always the way they did it. You know, um, Tom Frame was usually the letterer. And uh, as you see, it was, I, I drew the whole thing. I, I'm not even sure I was very aware of where the, um, um, the lettering was gonna go. Uh, and as you can see, it had to it had to be stuck in all kinds of awkward places. Right, you got it on the over the Green Giant's uh, jawline here and there. That that's that, yeah. that feels like a whole um, discipline unto itself to try to figure out how to like accommodate a letterer. Yes, uh, yes. very I wordy. Think it, uh, what? The, it's it's a big word count. You know, there's a lot of uh, space yeah. for the letter. The lettering needs yeah, a lot yeah. of space. I think in later work, you know, by the time I was doing Camelot and stuff like that and Killing Joke, I think I was pretty much specifying where the word balloons should go uh, and, and allocating space for them. But um, I don't think I was very aware of it here. Yeah, there's the green giant again. And uh, who are the other characters? There was a, a banana. Oh, there's a Mr. Mr. Peanut. Now, this, uh, the guy on the bottom right, I think that was, we have a sugar company here called Tate and Lyle. Um... I think um, Mr. Tate was the founder of the Tate Gallery. Have you heard of the Tate Gallery? Yes. In London. Um, and that was uh, the little sh uh, sugar cube man was their, was their mascot, their logo. And then, of course, there's the Michelin man right. on the right. That's our guy right here. Brian, did you keep yeah. a morgue file? Now, a what? A morgue file, like for reference? Like, did you have clipped out, you know, magazines referencing people, vehicles, advertising well, mascots? I, I... I guess I must have done. I was always cutting out pages all the time and putting them into folders. Of course, now we have Google and Wikipedia and you can look up anything instantly, can't you? But, um, yeah, at the time I would have had a folders full of faces and things. And not that I would copy, but I would sort of use for reference. I, I guess on the, I mean, I wouldn't have made a point of keeping a, 
uh, a folder full of uh, Michelin Man and, and uh, Alka-Seltzer Boys or anything like that. So I, w I, I assume I would have had to have gone and, uh, and, and found those things. Would, yeah. would you have a network uh, set up with guys like Dave Gibbons or Mick McMahon to kind of share reference material? I know that that's sort of no. the beauty of, of sharing studios and things. Well, Mick, Mick and Dave did share a studio. Um, yeah. I've never shared a studio with anybody other than my wife. Right. But n not never with another comic artist. Now, I, I've occasionally um, I've inked Dave Gibbons's work, and Dave has inked my work. He did some inking on Dread, I think, when I was getting behind, as did Gary Leach. Um, but apart from that, we don't really um, collaborate in that way. We just rescue each other occasionally. Right. Hill boys are going through a hard time. Yeah, Ooh. they are. Look at that. <laughs> By the way, neither of these pages have your signature on it, which suggests to me they may be the, the, the uh, black market pages. Possibly, yes. Yeah. You see, the thing is, occasionally, very nice people have said, look, I've just heard this story about these pages, and I, and I bought a page recently, and I believe it's um, not what it's one of the ones that didn't go through you, i.e., me. And, and we've, we've we've kind of stroked our chins, and we've um, occasionally they've floated a bit of dough my way, a small amount, just as a kind of gesture. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. Right. I mean, the only thing I would like to do is expose the people who took the pages. Yeah. I mean, there was a sort of chain of people who were able, had, had access to the artwork at the vaults. I mean, all sorts of people were, were borrowing bits of artwork to go into fanzines or to go into um, things of that sort, or, or into, yeah, I guess fanzines and things of that sort. Um, and, and those are the people who would have lifted the pages. And I would imagine all of them would be people I knew quite mm. well. So, uh, I'd, I'd quite like, and I think I know who it was actually, but I can't prove it. Sure. But, yeah. Seeing images like this that Brian draws where there's a very clear, like the horizon line is so low and seeing yeah. the, the ink kind of go around the contour of the figure so correctly is just, there is such a lesson to learn there because like any of those lines, if, if they were off, it would mess with the three-dimensionality of what he's trying to yeah. do on this 2D surface. And it's just very noteworthy. The thing I like about that figure is that it's so not heroic. It's so not a superhero. You know, he's a sort of, he's old. He looks old there, doesn't he? And sort of hunched and defeated. And I, I don't like all these kind of big, sort of showy, muscly heroes. <laughs> I like a bit of humanity. So... Uh, I think that was about as decrepit as I ever drew him. I think we have Judge Caligula with his fishbowl. Right <laughs> yes. There. Would yeah. you ever get, uh, like from editorial, would they ask you to change anything significant? Like, would they ever look at the figure and say, Judge Dredd should be more heroic? Or... No, 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 no. The only thing that happened with that story is that it was based, because a lot of the Judge Dredd stories were sort of based on news or current events or something or some kind of element of the politics of the time. And th this whole story was based on a TV show called I, Claudius, which was basically the, the story of the emperor. Um, and he had um, a, a play by Derek Jacobi, I think, um, and in the in the play in the drama on the TV, he he made his senator. He made his horse his senator, didn't he? Um, so in this story, in Judge Cal, which is a sort of our version of that whole 
uh, Roman saga. Um, he makes his fish, doesn't he? He makes his fish his second in command. <laughs> so good, man. I love that. When, when it's time for you to draw a strip, uh, there is always so much imaginative work required for set pieces, scenery, extra characters and things. And I'm looking at this vehicle right here. Uh, yeah. Do you just basically draw this one time or do you have any time in the schedule to fiddle around in a sketchbook to come up with these different? No, no, I think that I don't remember. No, I don't. I think that just I just that just happened on the page. That's not a, a vehicle that was uh, specified. Now, you know that this was inked by Gary Leach, these pages. Yeah, we see that right here. Ah, it's right there, is it? Excellent. Um, yeah, I, you see, I haven't got the artwork in front of me, so I some of those pay, uh, panels I inked myself. Others, what? I believe, I, I can see were inked by Gary. What's really yeah. fascinating is that uh, I turn the page, I look at this, it has a little bit of the Krusty Bunker, Neil Adams vibe to it. Uh, it's it. Gary. Gary's bringing a much bolder line, like a thicker line than, yeah. than what I've seen you put in here. And if yes, I, had... I, remember, I, remember, I remember talking to him about it and he did say, yes, he was using a thicker line than he thinks I would have. Um, there's a lot of zipper tone on there, isn't there? Yeah. Are you or applying all of that yourself or is that something that Gary Leach is doing? Um, well, I mean, he inked it. I mean, I, that would have left my hands in pencil. So I guess we were both using. I mean, can you see from your page whether it's uh, whether it's a very light or dark or thick? I mean, some, sometimes the, the dots are so fine that it could um, the print process could struggle with the fineness of the dot screen. So it's often safer to use a fairly large. My my screen over here keeps going dark. I'm using it as lighting here. Um, I suspect. I mean, I mean, the bottom left-hand panel, for instance, is darker than I would use. I would generally use like a thirty percent or even a twenty or ten percent screen when I was yeah. putting zipper. But there's a lot on the top left, isn't there? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that is a full panel. It's good. It's good. I'm, I'm looking at some of the modeling that that uh, Leach is doing on these um, sort of reptilian hands by scalpeling off uh, those white areas, and it's just so fascinating with Zipatone. When you start to cut some white into it, it really adds that three dimensionality. Yeah. Yes, I used to enjoy doing that. Yeah, using a scalpel to. Uh, um, now I think that is all penciled and inked by me. Well, Gary wasn't on either of those pages. Now look at that balloon right in the middle of that cover. Covering it's, up some uh, nice stuff too. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? But I mean, when I drew that cover, I may not have known what, um, you know, let, what words the guys were going to be saying. So I didn't really know how much room they needed. Um, for the uh, for that cover, I don't think a cover is scripted. Is it? Um, I, I don't remember how it was ag agreed upon, but uh, there you go. The the archi the archival process is is uh, telling on you here because uh, we see these lines back here and the finish of the boot. It's a different ink than Indian ink, and it's oh. uh, it's faded a whole lot. So nah. it's like a micron pen or something. You're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I can't, I've only got a fairly, fairly small screen here. But I think when I looked at that, I remember I, I pretty much fluffed that boot because it wasn't really a very important part of the picture. Right. 
So I must have used some kind of marker pen of some sort. Yeah, it's fun that. too because, like, at the end of the lines, you see the the sort of bleed of the yeah, uh, the, dot the pen from the pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we explore at this stage uh, <laughs> when, when we we do these kind of videos. Brian, when you uh, do a piece like these alligator creatures coming coming at you, yeah. Uh, do you do you light box them and then just kind of change little things? Uh, like as you, uh, as no, you do the, the next guys, I don't think that, oh. it's oh, all gosh. different poses. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think I ever use a light. I've got a light box down to my left, but I very rarely used it. I don't think I use a light box. I used an autograph projector for my um, DC work more for covers and stuff like that because the rough. Would be, would, be, would be drawn sort of that that gosh that's a really where there's a delay on here but it's quite a small what we call a4 rough and i would put that in a autograph projector and project it up to artwork size but all of this was pretty much sort of drawn on the on the page there's no light box involved there now i think the guy in the one two three four fifth panel i think that was supposed to be carlos has he got a name on his badge has he got a badge uh, I don't see the badge, but I was absolutely no. going to ask you. Oh, it's Judge Fernandez. Yes. Uh, well, that would be Carlos Esquera. I think that we were modeling him on Carlos because he looks like that. He looked like that. Would the autograph projector that, that, come that, into play with uh, drawing this thing? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I don't. Uh, this is so uh, inadequate because I really can't remember. I certainly there certainly wasn't a model of that. Okay. Um, I I don't know what you see. Mick and I were alternating on these stories, weren't we? Um, whether he would have designed that vehicle himself, and it, it had been in an earlier issue, and I just thought, right, I've got to draw this bloody thing. Um, I couldn't really tell you for sure unless we were to to, to look at the you know the story before to see who originally drew it. Would you would you start to get into a panic phase at on on page seven or uh, you know like when when it's like the end of a story? You, like I'm imagining this is like one of the last like pages. So, so like, uh, would you put some energy on each page as you're putting it together for for a week's worth of strip, or is there a time where you got to just like really get the work done at the end? Um. The hardest I ever worked was when I was drawing Power Man because yeah. there were something like, I don't know, 15 pages or something like that. And on the when I was doing the last, say, five pages, I just would have to stay up all day and all night and all day the next day to get it done. But I don't remember. I, by the time I was drawing this stuff, I was living in a flat in central London. And I don't uh, and I used to do I used to work really late hours. I'd work till about 5.30 a.m. And then, you know, have a break. Well, not have a break, but I'd finish. Uh, but I don't remember ever uh, it being a real panic to get it finished the way the, the Power Man stuff was. Because, I mean, Power Man had a, a schedule. It had to come out every two weeks. Power Man was bi-monthly. Is that, is that right? Every two weeks. Uh, bi-weekly, um, every two weeks. Bi-weekly, bi-weekly. Um, and so there was a, a, a deadline. There was no getting out of that. But with this, they knew that my story could, um, that they'd give me a, enough time for me to get done comf reasonably comfortably, yeah. Like these kind of creatures and stuff, so well designed. And it's just hard to imagine <laughs> that, like, you know, you des basically design them on the page as you're asked to draw them. 
Yeah, I, I don't recall ever. I mean, I did do some tryout um, images of the four dark judges. I remember that I drew them in pencil or something. Now, I'll tell you something about that big panel on the left-hand page. Um, the, the, the figure, um, if you go up a little bit to the right, the guy who's eating something, I was having him eating a rat. Now, it's a little blurry, um, but they did paint that out. They yes. thought, for some reason, they, they just didn't like the fact that he was chawing on a rat. So somebody painted, what is he eating? What is he, look at he's eating. It's funny. It's just kind of a mound, almost like a potato or yes. something. But you can see the tail. There's it's still, still like a little tail, tail sticking out. <laughs> well, I mean, Jan Shepard was the art uh, director. I think that's what you'd call her um, on 2000 AD. And she made a, a, a number of changes, made a few changes here and there. But by the way, I watched you live this afternoon and you were talking about having a guest later on today. <laughs> yes, that sir. me? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks so much, too. This is this is such a pleasure, and it's so cool to, okay. to have this kind of thing on the record. Now, I'll tell you something. When I first went to New York to visit D.C., I, I've got a friend over here who was um, Richard Burton, who was working at uh, 2000 AD. He was friends with Paul Levitz at D.C., and uh, he arranged for me to visit the D.C. offices, and they didn't really know who I was. This was about 1978, and I went to a few comic shops around the place because I had heard that 2000 AD had uh, surfaced to some extent in comic shops as early as 78, 79. Um, and I said, do you have any 2000 ADs? And he said, not really. They're really on crap paper. You don't really don't don't really sell that stuff. So it would have been this stuff, I guess. That was a revelation. Uh, we interviewed uh, Steve Bissett uh, on, on yeah. the channel and uh, he was collecting 2000 AD uh, when it was being serialized. I think he was getting it uh, from Hanley's. Uh, in was he in New York? I, th I think I think so. Yeah, but yeah, he was collecting that. Look at this Clark Kent looking guy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was sort of, you know, I was always a DC fan, and I, I, um, yeah, it was my attempt to make him look like Clark Kent, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and look at that. We got a Barry Windsor Smith Conan. Right Have there. we? Yeah. Is that what? That <laughs> With like like from issue one, that yes. helmet. So um, fun. We're see, seeing that non archival pen again. Show, showing up in like little spots. <laughs> now I can't see too clearly what you're pointing at, but but I mean the thing is the thing about this stuff is that it was funny. Yeah. And it was the, the, there was funny there was humour and also pretty grim horror, sort of I mean kind of, and it was not a combination that I ever saw in American comics at the time. Would you back me up on that, or am I wrong? For sure, like the, like the closest character to a Judge Dredd to explore this sort of fascism uh, of, of yes. stuff at this way would probably be like Marvel's Punisher, and and they play uh -huh. and they play that for serious in such a big way, and like a lot That's... of yeah, a lot of the writers, uh, you know, they they have a conservative bend to their politics, and they like explore that in there, which which is perfect for that kind of comic because you have this guy doing old testament retribution and and punishment on people for for stealing sugar or, or something <laughs> yeah. like this and yeah in judge dread it's funny but in yeah. uh, punisher comics from marvel it's like yes well yeah you just have to kill every person who's ever t done drugs because they're bad people <laughs> and, and and they're not joking about it no no i know um i mean one 
American artist, and I can't even remember who it is, so I can't get him into trouble. He uh, once uh, he was asked about Judge Dredd, and he said, "Oh no, I don't like Judge Dredd. It's fascist." And um, he didn't seem to realise that the lead character is not a sympathetic character. He's, we drew him in a way that you didn't really like him. He's a Nazi, basically. He's the sort of he's a part of a fascist um, police state. Um, you kind of t t toy with him being heroic at times, but also, I mean, in the, in the case of pages like this, he's being cruel. Um, and so my feeling was that the perspective of the reader was going to have to be somewhere in between him and his protagonist. So the protagonists were sort of um, crazy and dangerous, but he was um, a really nasty piece of work himself. And, and so you didn't really quite know. I mean, one of my very favorite stories from Judge Dredd was not drawn by me. I can't remember who drew it. Um, it was... Um, Judge Dredd turned up at somebody's door, an ordinary innocent guy, because his name had come up in the compulsory organ transplant program. <laughs> um, compulsory. So Dredd or somebody turns up to inform this guy that he's got to donate his liver to, <laughs> but he doesn't want to donate his liver, so he he resists the law, and goes on a series of ever increasing uh, increasing crime waves and ends up. Um, well, I don't know whether he ends up in an ISO cube at the end of it, but, you know, you couldn't possibly sympathise with the police state who are enforcing this programme. Uh, you you could only identify with the poor innocent guy who's, want, who's going to lose his liver. <laughs> um, so I think you've got, to, you've got to somehow have a perspective on this stuff that is not really thinking, Judge Dredd, he's a really cool, heroic guy. It's anyway, a, next it's question. A, it's, a, it's a Rorschach test you know like it's it's like archie bunker here here in the state on all, all in the family like there are people laughing yes. at certain jokes for the wrong reasons yes yeah and yes, uh, judge dread comics work that way i think so yeah brian did you find the the work you were doing the drawing part of judge dread funny because it feels like the art is really straightforward and the humor is more in the story writing side almost like the art is the straight man um well, at times, I mean, you had to not make it obvious that um, Judge Dredd is ridiculous. You've got to sort of try to get the viewer to do the work. But I, I mean, some of these characters, like that guy on the operating, on the whatever that thing he's lying on, he's a kind of funny, isn't he? He's got a pot belly. Good acting on the uh, guy looking at him. Yes, I don't, know, I don't know where he came from. I, I think I'd, I've always had the ability to sort of draw characterful... I mean, he looks a little bit like, um, you know, the guy from House of Mystery or House of Secrets. Oh, yeah, Or right. possibly, yeah, possibly the people from um, Creepy and Eerie, you know, those, those mascots in Creepy and Eerie, one of those sort of faces. Right. Uh, I don't think he was based on anybody that I can think of. But, uh, yeah, at times you draw the thing straight and at, try at times you're drawing it funny. What, do you, what did you colour this with? Um... I was using um, acrylic inks, I think, by then. Um, yeah. Um, it's so that's, um, uh, so it would be a brush with, um, with acrylic ink, and occasionally there would be airbrush. Or I think in the case of that red sky, it was one of those occasions when you put Frisk film on 
the bits you don't want to cover and then you um, lather it on with some other tool or other. I think I, uh, the, 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 there is a page here, somewhere in here, um, I've got it here actually, um, where the, um, yeah, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about the fact that I used a kind of rag to, to occasionally put on, you can see it there. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was actually white. You know, I was talking about how I don't use whiteout very much. Well, that was an occasion where I did use whiteout and I put it on a rag and kind of dabbed it on the uh, on the page. But, yeah, I just happened to have that. So much atmosphere in that image. Oh, the magic bullet. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's, that's rather a Carmine Infantino type panel, isn't it? I mean, he was the great um, artist who... In Flash, he loved those those long, thin um, panels to have. You know, what I'm talking about. That's such a perfect use of of the of that long horizontal panel for that sequence. Yeah, I, I was thinking. I don't think um, John or whoever would have said we want a long, thin panel here. I think he would have just said one, two, three, four, five, six panels. There isn't there. Uh, he would have just given me instructions for six panels and. Uh, I would have thought, well, let's do the top two like that, and then there's lots of room for the rest. There's really good uh, page design uh, in that sequence, too, because it's just smart not to stack the heads uh, and to shift the alignment of the guy a, a little bit, just because it would be four heads down the whole page, and for the the whole composition... It's it your works. Yeah. directional device. But you see, but you see, you had to show the bullet coming out of the back of the head. Yeah. Right? So there had to be plenty of room to, um, to the right of the head. So I had to move it forward a bit, didn't I? It's very cinematic. You know, it yeah. feels like you're tracking that bullet with your camera. Yeah. Almost like in a movie, yeah. you know, and as, yeah. the, as the camera pans, that's the effect yeah. as the guy's head's going to be moving from right to left. It's a pity we don't have the script here. I don't know whether John or anybody has the scripts for this stuff, but it would be quite nice to have been able to compare what he wrote and uh, with what I drew. Just going mm. back to you saying, like, we have to show the bullet coming out of the head. Do you ever pinch yourself and just say, I got the luckiest, <laughs> coolest job in the universe? <laughs> <laughs> um and this is a heck of a way to spend well, an I, afternoon. I think, I think so. I think so. I, I once drew um, a strip for Des Skin for his House of Hammer, and it was Vampire Circus. And I did um, a scene. Now, what? There was a guy. A guy's bald head was just exploding in a bloody mass. Um, I can't remember why. Do you? Are you familiar with that strip at all? No. Possibly not. Um, and that was heavily um, censored, painted out. Because I always think that uh, even though there's humor in this stuff, that, you know, if something is going to be violent, I'm not going to hold back. Right. There's got to be some way of making it look violent. Um, that last yeah. story to me felt very much like an EC story. Yeah. And now we turn the page here and I feel like these are, this is a Warren magazine that we've turned into, you know, an eerie or yeah. creepy now, what are we calling this um, stuff I was using? Are we calling this Craft Tint? Craft Tint's the or, company. Or... Duo Shade is the. Duo. Is the yeah. I might have called it a Duo Tone board. And, and it came with two chemicals, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. And if you paint one of the chemicals on, you get lines go. Are they crosshatch lines? I can't really see from here. The, the thinner. Like the, the one chemical. Okay. So, so on the actual paper, and I'm not sure if the 
camera could pick this up so well, but mm. there are these undeveloped cross-hatch lines on the whole page. Yes, yes. And uh, there are two sets. There's a set going one yeah. direction and a set going another direction. Yeah. So one chemical, it's two bottles of chemicals. Yeah. One chemical, the least stinky one, by the way, will develop yes. only one set of lines. <laughs> yeah. The stinky one that like will give you cancer if you if you breathe it too long, that gives you the darker value of gray. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I think I tried it just the once. I can't think of any other story that I used it on. I did hear that it was not going to stay very stable. So if anybody wanted the artwork, it would go brown and horrible. Yeah, you got to you got to sell it right away. Yeah. <laughs> These pictures look no, well. They look good. They they're not too bad. Now I do notice that my signature is not on those pages. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a I have a feeling, you know, I think you've occasionally you asked me whether I use photo reference, and I have a feeling that that face underneath the Judge Dread logo, that first face, I may have swiped it. It's very good lighting. Remember. Yeah, notice that it's you know, I say I always like things top left, so the the shadow is on the bottom right. Well, on this occasion, because there is a light yeah. to the right of them, I had to flip that. Um, and I was feeling I might have pinched that face from somewhere, but I I couldn't remember where. I feel like the um, light source is one of those things you just don't see in contemporary comic book artists. Right. Because when I was coming up, that was huge. That's yeah. how you figured out spotting blacks and shadows and volume. And so much of that just isn't done anymore in the original art. Yeah. And this story is contingent on that yeah, that's, lighting that's everywhere. That's what made me think of it is like the lighting is so strong throughout this. Mm. Well, yes. I mean, it was a very moody um, sort of um, London in the fog, you know, Jack the Ripper kind of story, wasn't it? Wow. Uh, I mean, it, it isn't London, but it's supposed, yeah, is he fading in the fog there or something? Great use of that duo tone. Feels so bright. You know, to really have him fade away. That's so cool. I remember, I remember being very pleased with that top right panel on the left-hand page when he's carrying her away. The lighting is, he's lit from below, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, the lighting is a bit different. Yeah. And of course, that was supposed to be Boris Karloff, wasn't it? Oh, nice. Yeah. I used to do a lot of... Um, in those days, I used to do a lot of um, caricatures of people. You know, I did uh, the Marx Brothers and uh, Rondo Hatton. I don't know whether those pages are going to come up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Rondo Hatton might be the first Brian Bolin story I ever read. Oh, yeah, there's the oh, Universal right. Hunchback. Oh, and there's there's uh, uh, Lon Chaney, isn't it? That's yeah. right. Is it Lon? Yeah, that's the yeah. Lon Chaney Hunchback, isn't it? Because look at those guys. They're having their heads cut off. <laughs> yeah, Judge Judge just shot a dude in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they people? Are they mannequins? They are supposed to be real people, aren't they? No. Are they? <laughs> hey, he's the judge, man. He can do his thing. He he is. He can the law. do whatever he likes. Yeah. yeah. He is the law. Yeah. That's right. He is. <laughs> so not, cool a, not a bad, uh, not, not a bad Lon Chaney hunchback either. I think. Absolutely not. Of course, you see, I had a great collection of uh, famous monsters of filmland going all the way back to number one. I was going to so, ask. Um, I had loads of reference for that. I was going to ask, man, because that looks. That yeah. looks close. Yeah. Getting some covers. Yeah. Now, the one on the left is one of those where I didn't really have it. I don't think the eagle. I think the eagle was... Uh, I don't think I drew the eagle. Like, is that stuck on? There's brush strokes. Yeah, I think that's oh, on that? the... It looks like that's on the original art. I don't see a line for a paste-up or anything. Yeah, there. look at the brush strokes. Okay, well, I must have just... Um, maybe I blew it up. I don't remember having an autograph projector at the time. 
but that was one of those times when I, you know, I had to get a cover done in a day and I didn't have an idea. Right. A lot of the time you just don't have an idea and you you um like when I did my first Wonder Woman cover, I just drew her looking at the viewer and um and it ended up looking quite good. That's um, so funny because like a, maybe 10 years after that, you know, we get into the 90s and it feels like yeah. there's a whole for a while like like poster covers, you know, which would just be yeah. something like like this or yes. like Wonder Woman yeah. looking at the at the viewer. Yeah. They were so striking, but then you get like that next generation, it's like, okay, let's just do that. You know, the this the standalone yeah. poster like yeah. images. I'm really stuck at the moment. I mean, I've just done eight um Batman covers, you know, Batman One Bad Day. And each one is just I've just done I've just done Clayface. Uh, Love that Clayface, man. Like I saw this on your Instagram. Everybody needs to follow that Instagram. Uh, that Clayface is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they're never gonna. I'm never gonna get away with that. But um, it turns out that if you look at the story inside, is uh, he looks pretty much like that. <laughs> That's so good. He's just, he's just a human mess. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether you know who Johnny Vegas is. We've got a guy um, over here called Johnny Vegas. He's a uh, a TV comedian really and he's a great comics fan 2008 fan and uh he's a friend of mine um because he was um you know a fan of uh, him uh, when he was 10 years old he came to forbidden planet and to have our autographs and uh, uh, he's now a ceramicist he makes clay models so, so i got in touch with johnny vegas you'll have to look him up and ask him what color clay is and uh, he sent me some reference for what what color to make clayface? Anyway, back to the plot. Where are we? Uh, Brian, did you ever have anybody in mind for that scowl uh, on Judge Dredd? Is there, is there an old football player or anybody like that that no, inspires no, no, no. that? That was just that was just me following um, Mick's uh, cues. Uh, I mean, Mick uh, Carlos Escara designed Judge Dredd visually, and um, but didn't draw him for the first good many months um, and Mick came along and was asked to draw it in the style of Carlos and, um, and he was a new guy we didn't know Mick at all I didn't know Mick and uh, his style was absolutely wonderful and it was evolving week by week and uh, you know Dred's big boots um, they became a thing because I think Mick drew him that way and uh, I really don't remember when we first saw the scowl, but I, I, I feel it must have been Mick who, um, all of the time with my more realistic, sort of realistic style, more sort of classical style, I suppose you might say, I was trying to interpret his uh, developments in my, in my style. So uh, and I've forgotten exactly what the question was, but uh, it wasn't me. Right. But it seemed to be his trademark, right? He always has that expression. Except when he's eating umpty candy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a great, great couple covers with uh, Eagle and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the question I was going to ask is, like, when you have to come up with, a, like, a science fiction animal like yeah. this, do you start yeah. from a place of realistic uh, animal anatomy and then push it? Or are you just out of your head coming up with things? <laughs> Um, I think I'm out of my head coming up with that stuff. I, d I don't, th I mean, um, John would have, or possibly Chris Lauder. Does it say who wrote this? John Howard. John Howard. 
Now, there wasn't actually a John Howard. There was a Chris Lauder who called himself possibly um, John. Did you say John Howard? Yeah. I think that might have been Chris. Um, I don't think he would have given me any instructions as to what that thing looked like. Um, possibly there might have. I mean, one of them's got a kind of a mammal sitting on his head for a hat. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, that one down there. <laughs> I, don't, I think that was just me winging it, really. And and the guy who's about to be hung, he's very much like the creatures that I came up with for the first um, Forbidden Planet store. You know, totally. I did the ads for the Forbidden Planet store when it opened in 78. And uh, characters that look like that seem to sort of fall, off my, uh, fall out of my, I was going to say pen, but I've never used a pen. <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. You know, like these, these kind of caricature-ish images. Uh, it makes yeah. me wonder, uh, is Basil Wolverton high on your list of influences? Uh, um, not really. No, I, I know who he is. No, I would. I wouldn't say he was. I don't know. Now, I will just tell you one thing. I may have told you this before, but panel one on the left-hand page and the bottom right-hand panel. Um, my my old teenage friend um, from when we were teenagers, uh, Dave Howard, who grew up in the village next door to mine when I was sixteen or so. Um, he was visiting, and I always wanted to get him into 2000 AD, and uh, he inked those two panels, top left, bottom right. Uh, I see. Um, I don't know whether you can see a difference in style, but uh, he he didn't stay very long, so uh, those are the only two things he ever inked on. He has a very uh, French but... style. It looks like like the classic Bond designate, like Westerns really? and things. Yeah, I yeah. would have never picked that out as being different, but looking closely, like it does feel like there are some different marks on here. Yeah. Uh, some textures yeah. and things that I don't see. I don't see it as much in this top left panel. No. We did a lot of stuff in our teens. We did a lot of one-off one -off things where I would draw something and he would ink it. We did a fanzine together called... Uh, called um, uh, it, it was actually called RDH Comics. This, the, RDH, this is, this is the end comics. And um, there's early strips by me and early strips by him and, late, and later things that we did together. And I will just show you this, actually. I've got to plug this at every possible occasion. Um, I've got this... Um, now then, I've got this thing coming out soon. Yes. It's, it, it's my memoir. And, um, and down at the bottom here, you'll see that uh, Johnny Vegas from, from the TV and Dave Howard, my old childhood friend, get a name on the cover. So... Uh, Everybody has to rush out and buy this thing. Absolutely. When, when is that coming out? <laughs> uh, well, it's at the printers at the moment. Did I show it on the screen long enough? Oh, totally. Um, apparently, it's, it's at the printers. We found a few errors that had to be ironed out, but apparently it's going through the print process at the moment. And so we think, I think Dave Gibbons's thing, memoir, and mine seem to be almost pretty much coming out at the same time, sometime in mid, uh, early to mid-March. So we'll expect you two to do like a co-book tour across America uh, this <laughs> this spring summer. Well, we've got, the two of us are actually giving a talk in a place called the Century Club in London um, in sometime in March, I think, um, to a, a paying audience. Apparently, anyway, back to the plot. Where are we? We are looking. There's at another a, another occasion where the word balloons. There was no room for the balloons. Look, they had to go. Now you see that guy. 
with the funny eyes. I mean, he, he looks like, on the top left, he looks like somebody from the Forbidden Planet ads, doesn't he? To some totally. But I mean, they were mutants. The, the whole of the Cursed Earth was riddled with mutants. And uh, so you can have a field day drawing them anyhow, anyhow you like. This feels like the kind of lettering that would make you start to plan where the lettering should go. Because it's such yeah. a, it, it really, it hurts a little bit of the drawing. You know, you have these feet hanging, very dramatic, and then you put a word yes. balloon on top of that. Yeah, I know. I don't know what I was thinking that I didn't somehow. I mean, sometimes you can't really do anything about it. If you've got, you, if you know you've got feet hanging from the top of the panel and you've got people at the bottom, there is no option to leave a space, especially right. if there's a little inset top left. Uh, there is really no room. But I, I mean, if you if you go back to the days of like when um, Kurt Swan or Schaffenberger or people were drawing Superman, all the panels were rect uh, were squares or rectangles, and pretty much half of the t each panel there would be plenty of room to put the word balloons in. And then somebody like Neil Adams came along and broke all the rules. You know, he had panels going in all kinds of directions and sort of people sort of uh, sort of squashed into all kinds of parts of the panel. And the word balloons had to go wherever they possibly could. So I, I guess uh, we're in that sort of era. Um, yeah, what have we got here? We're going to have to talk about this cover here. On the right. Because of that stretched, skewed image. I, I see yeah. no paste up. No, that so looks like it was drawn. Was there a secret trick yeah. to, to doing this cover, Brian? Yeah, well, the secret trick is simply that you draw the thing in pencil um, with a grid. And then you draw the grid. I, can't, I don't know whether you can see any evidence of no, a grid. No, no grid evidence. Um, and you just widen the grid. You, 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 you know... I mean, that's the only way I can think I did it because I didn't have a computer or any of that sort of thing. There, there was so I drew them. I drew them quite normally, and then I, 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 drew, I put a grid over them, possibly on a piece of paper, and then drew the grid, but much tw twice as wide, or more than twice as wide, or possibly, <laughs> and just drew the same drawing to the grid, the new grid. That's really but interesting. It does, it, yeah, it does do your eyes in, though. I do. It works. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I really like that cover. It's amazing. Yeah. Super trippy to look at. It's so yeah. believable. Like the edge lines are fatter on, on the helmet and then really thin at the top. You know, if you if you really stretched a drawing, it's exactly what you would get. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think I just because you see, I, 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 I think I told you before, but I did technical drawing in school. And so a, a, a thing like that would be something we might do in technical drawing. You know, one of, one of the tricks to do that uh, was sort of unlocked by uh, by by Dave Sim not too long ago on his like Secret Life of Alex Raymond, whatever that comic is called, where you take the autograph projector and you actually shine it on the paper on a, a skew angle, and it will push that stretched quality. Oh yeah. Uh, my autograph projector was a bit annoying because um, if um, you know you put the you put the the, the prelim in it, and then you flip the, um, the the thing you've got the thing attached to vertically, so you can project it onto the ground. It somehow made the top of the drawing bigger than the bottom, so I actually had to adapt it so that I could um, not have it quite at a vertical at a ninety degree angle because uh, 
it was making everybody big headed and small footed. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that happens uh, just even with the with the cameras that we have uh, when we're looking at these episodes. We call it tombstoning, where if you're not if you're not perfect, it will set set things askew a bit. Oh, uh, okay. How about this two pager, dude? Yeah, that's uh, these pa- these two pages because all of these stories started with a um, a double page spread which I think somebody would end, that would have ended up in colour, not by me, um, I, didn't it? Uh, often, um, yeah. It was quite challenging to to draw a big double-page spread. Some of them work quite well. The, the one with the, that vehicle uh, going across in front of the presidents or whatever that... Um, I might not be remembering it properly, but um, it was quite a challenge to fill that double-page spread with, at the beginning of each story. Um, it wasn't something I was, I, it came easy to me, but uh, I must say those characters are pretty crazy, aren't they? It's such a striking image. It is. Figure with <laughs> Unforgettable. The missing and Unforgettable. Stuff. Very, very awesome. Yeah. Brian, when you go through this artwork like we're doing today, do you remember, yeah. uh, you know, what's going on in your life when you're drawing this? Like how much memory is connected in these images when you look at them now? I can remember where I was. I can remember the room I was in. It was in the front room of a flat in, in near Russell. Do you, have you ever been to London? No, no, no. Near Russell Square, I lived there and uh, worked at night. Um, I do remember. I remember doing the dark, dark judges. I remember one story that I. I remember a cover I did in a day. It was one of the Titan. Um, Eagle comic reprints that I did the cover in a day and I signed it. I didn't sign it Bolland. I signed it Eric Phillips because I didn't think it was very good. It was a DR and Quinch cover. It probably won't be in this book, will it? Yeah. Um, I do remember a a few, not not a lot. Um, Did you draw DR and Quinch many times? Because I do know your artwork in relation to them. So I wonder if it's that cover. Um, I drew them a few times on the covers of the Eagle reprints yeah. of Judge Dredd and 2000 AD material. Okay. I never drew the stories. Alan Davis, of course, drew the yeah. stories, didn't he? Yeah. And that, that was Alan Moore, wasn't it? Back when Alan Moore was doing, well, I said doing great stuff. He's, he's always done great stuff. But Dion Quinch was hilarious. Nuke your parents was their slogan. <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff, man. College boys. Dion yeah, Quinch are. Frat boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, why these guys? I mean, why these guys are traveling around on giant monocycles? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember whether it was me improvising or what. You know, that was um, one of the fun things, like getting any new issues of, like we, of course, we got the the Eagle comics here here in the states, and and they were plentiful. They were like at Kmart. It was it was very plentiful. That was the that was the beauty and the fun thing to look forward to is is like what new crazy ideas are we going to see explorers into yeah yeah i i really love doing the covers of the eagle i'd really love to see all of my covers and mix covers um in a book somewhere because uh i i really enjoyed doing uh those covers because the i already read the stories and there were some great ideas in there and uh, the ideas just tumbled onto the page as i think i said before they look um, like you were having a ball making those covers they really do yeah, yeah, they were fun. I love the Judge Fish cover. <laughs> now then, where are we now? Where are we now? Looking at the cover to this book. 
Oh, the cover of the book. <laughs> the Black War. Again. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, Just so much imagination on every single page. Drawing yeah. these bikes. Uh, I mean, the thing, about, the thing about those bikes, it was always easiest to draw them coming at you because, um, you know, dr drawing the things in, in sort of isometric projection would have been harder because they wouldn't work in real life, would they? Would you, uh, uh, did you draw like a master version and then kind of refer back to that? I mean, these are freshly um, drawn, but. Yeah. Um, do not know, I really can't remember. I, I did do one because over the years I've come back to do sort of covers on 2000 AD. And I did do one where there were three of those bikes coming at you. And I think I kind of put them in the autograph projector and just drew each one. And the big one in the middle and the two smaller ones around the outside um, because they look the same in every case. So you, you've got to cut a few corners when possible, but I can't, I can't see many. Right. There. Really Those cool. buildings, which I mean, I think, I don't know whether uh, Carlos or Mick first came up with those kinds of buildings, but uh, they were um, very much the way they did them. Uh, quite hard to draw, actually. Isn't it funny at this point now in 2023 to think that the, the title 2000 AD was far enough in the future <laughs> yeah. that... Uh, <laughs> it was ridiculously far in the future, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember going, um, going to China in 1984 and I thought, wow, that's ridiculous. That's like the book. But, uh, and then we had 2000 AD. Now, you see, the thing is, my buildings will be like blocks like uh, like that, yeah. because I don't quite know how, how I could have drawn a block war between blobby buildings. You know, in this case, it, it made more sense for them to be the old fashioned straight up and down skyscrapers. You know, this is just looks like absolute madness. You've got the perspective yeah. of those buildings and then figures yeah. just moving all about. Yeah. Wow. There was quite a good eagle cover that. Well, I did, uh, of um, a whole lot of people falling between the buildings. And while they're falling, they're shooting each other. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not and all. I, I think Joe Dredd is leaning out and saying, this block war is getting out of hand, he's saying. <laughs> and then here here are guys, uh, you know, surrendering. And it's it's a whole crowd. There's, it's not very much cheated in there. No, no. I don't like drawing crowds. It's hard work. Oh, <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah. And see, here's think... one of those pieces. Would this be that that Hessian rag? Yes, yes. Um, I, I call it Hessian rag. It was um, Hessian is like sacking, isn't it? It was yeah. Like, we, uh, we we call it burlap, uh, burlap sack. Possibly, yeah. I, I'm not even sure it was as crude as that. I think it was. Um, it wasn't like a handkerchief or something like that. It was something, a piece of material. I mean, you can see the texture of it there, can't you? But uh, you just uh, hold it in your hand and you squirt a bit of ink on it. And, uh, and and I would imagine those pale bits on his knees were done with whiteout. Yeah. Can you? Does it look as if it's whiteout? Yeah, yeah, it is. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That was just me not not being bothered to draw his feet. <laughs> <laughs> the atmosphere and mood of it is just so perfect. Uh, did you ever? play around with that rag experimentally anywhere else uh before this i'm sure i have yes uh it's a really right. great texture in that it it reminds me of the duotone and it must be the uh 
you know whatever yeah. the thread is yeah. in that rag because you get these it looks like dots beautiful yeah it's 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 very interesting for a texture it works so well i'm surprised it's yes. not a more common effect yeah I, I, no I, I haven't used it well i don't i, I work on a, what am i saying i haven't used it <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I read somebody i was reading about myself as you do and somebody said bolland's been working digitally for 30 years he said, did, did they even have computers in those days or something? And they, and they said, all this time he's been working with a mouse. And I said, no, I've never, I've never drawn with a mouse. And it's, it's, I worked it out. I've actually been working digitally for 25 years now. It's a quarter cool of a century. It's amazing. Yeah. We were talking about one of those early tutorials you had posted years ago. And now at this yeah. point, you know, 20 years ago, maybe. And somebody yeah. sent me a PDF. You know, they had done screen captures of it. Yeah. Um, oh, have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. It was the one with Batman surrounded by zombies, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He was being completely swamped. And I think one of them is biting his, you know, the, the, the cowl, I think it's called. He's got his teeth on his cowl and he's kind of trying to bite it. Uh, we, we were talking about how the Joker got hold, stuck his fingers into the eye sockets of uh, Batman's cowl um, in the Killing Joke, and I think on this cover the zombie was. I'm digressing here, aren't I? <laughs> but that's, that, was, that, that tutorial was a revelation because uh, it's the Brian Ballin artwork that we know, but he's saying to us that he did it digitally, so that suggests that it's possible yes. to preserve your hand but use yeah. digital implements. Yes. Brian, yeah. do you remember lettering? Did you do the lettering right here? It looks like there's no, a... no, I did not do the lettering. No, I've, I, I think that's always been Tom Frame or pretty much him. It looks as if the thing on the bottom's fallen off, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like it could have been yeah. a, to be continued or you know, yeah, the name of the week. story. Mm -hmm. It says next prog yeah. here, so it's be probably the name of the story or part two or whatever. Yeah. There's a little bit of lettering there for uh, Judge Morris. Oh yeah, but yes, yes, that's true. I mean, the the the, uh, the badges, um, Judge Dredd's badge, and whatever that says there, that would have had to have been me, of course. Yeah. yeah. But all of the the the, the dialogue is is added by Tom Frame. What an incredible image in terms, again, of like that depth. Yeah. Because you get so sucked into these these judges. They're so yeah. mesmerizing. And then you realize like this foreground piece, it's almost equally up to task. And it's just totally different planes. That's, yeah. a, that's a heck of a heck of a did I Did I show you the sheep skull that I used for, uh, <laughs> for Mortis? Do you, uh, uh, do you still have that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right here. Um, can you see right into my studio from where you are? Yeah, um, yeah, pretty good. Okay. And, you, and and Brian, you know something that happens? It happens every time we talk. Maybe halfway through. <laughs> that's so awesome. There he is. There he is. <laughs> wow. How about halfway through our conversations? Both times that we chatted. Uh, yeah. your spinner rack begins to spin <laughs> and uh, it, it makes me wonder about ghosts or cats or something. Um, no, I'm the only person here. It, uh, it, it does, does rotate, but... Uh, it spins all by I, itself when we're chatting and, and people in the comments are like, is there a poltergeist in uh, the bowling studio? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I can't reach it from where I am. So exactly. It's, um, I, I've not noticed that. Yeah, it's I mean, happened it's, both it's, times. It, 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 
it just rotated because I moved it. But uh, yes. I, I, Brian, would you I use um, templates or anything to do like eyes like this in order to get you know matching irises and pupils? Uh, I don't think so. Um, possibly. Uh, do, I really can't remember uh, using a template of any. I, I suppose if there are two things that are identical, I mean, you, I mean, I can do that now. Of course, in Photoshop, yeah. I can, I can draw a pupil and then I can copy it and move it over to the other eye. So there are ways I can cheat in Photoshop, but with a case in a case like. I mean, are, are they identical, those eyes? They look pretty close. I don't remember. I might have used a bit of tracing paper occasionally, but uh, I couldn't say. These kind of explosions, do you eyeball that? Or is there a center point, like when you use perspective, and then you trace um, other lines back to that? I do. I did have a technique where I would um, put a little bit of tape on the on the fulc fulcrum of the thing. Is that a word? Um and just rotate the ruler uh, so that um, I, I think Neil Adams used to use that kind of starburst effect sometimes. I remember him doing some wonderful Superman and Flash covers. Superman, I think, in particular. There was a Superman and an action cover that um, I remember he used that kind of um, effect on. And But I would use a ruler with a bit of tape on the end. Yeah. What have we got here? More crowds coming out. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. When you're tasked with doing that, uh, yep. people like Jaime Hernandez or Alex Toth come to mind because you just know they're going to figure out a way to communicate crowd without using as much lines as as you're yes, using or I'm yeah. using. And, and um, I just I curse them. Yeah, not have a lot I of shortcuts you? there. Have I talked to you about Alex Toth and how I, much I admired his work? I'm sure I did. Let's talk to um, him. To me, he was the king of comics. Um, no other name comes to mind. <laughs> um, I think he understood and knew it, but he was a master, an absolute master of the medium of comics. And, uh, and he said that, um, I think at some point he said that if you look at things not everything is in focus. Mm. Um, I don't know how to draw things that are not in focus. He he could do it. Um, so I find it really difficult to draw a crowd scene because I, you know, I don't know how to draw an out of focus person in the background really. Um, but you do after after you've drawn a few figures, you can't you can't possibly have as much detail as they go back into the distance. Right. Yeah, that's interesting with your in focus stuff. I always think about like high definition cameras and television and video screens now. Like everything is so sharp now. In a weird way, your art was ahead of its time because like now we can appreciate it whether we're showing it on a video or having a book like this. You know that precision is something that has become more a part of our world, and uh, you know it, it really helps your art in a lot of ways. Where it's like keep keep it coming. You know, oh, there's that page. Nice. Yeah, I think I, I probably showed you this before, but but I, this is the artwork for that page. I'm I'm getting better at working out how to do this uh, little screen on the top right hand corner. Yes, sir. But by the time I've, it goes up here, you see, I can't see it anymore because my head's right. disappeared. Brian, these pages <laughs> but, that you're showing us are are they pages that you hold in high reverence that you just want to hang on to for forever? Or um, yes, there are pages that I um, I'd like to keep some forever. 
Um, and I mean, not, these are not the best ones, I don't think. Um, but um, I'd like to have a few. I've got a few. Um, what, what else have I got here? Um, oh, yeah, there's this other one. I don't know where this is going to come up, is it? Um, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, the water that. stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, you asked me, yes, I, well, I mean, if somebody came along with a ridiculous offer, <laughs> I might consider it. Uh, that top left hand page, I Iconic. did keep. I, oh, I I'm kept so glad that to hear that. Myself. What do you say? Uh, no, no, I don't still have it. Oh. Um, I was offered um, um, a, a good sum of money for it, and I sold it to a friend. But I think it's probably worth more now than he paid for it. Oh, definitely. At the time, I thought. At the time, I thought, "Wow!" Uh, but I, but what I've seen of the price of artwork now, I, I think it would probably go for a bit more now. Oh yeah, that's an iconic. I mean, that, that, that's the Judge Dread image. Yes. Yeah, it it is. I mean, when you see collections, uh, often the end papers are that top left hand panel, and and um, I think John Wagner has that panel on his business card. Um, I don't know. It is pretty. You guys saw Punisher Warzone. <laughs> There's a scene. This is in that movie. Yeah. Yes. And and it's got a man. It's it's that exact moment. Now I don't know what that is. You'll have to tell me. Does he punch his fist through somebody's head or something? Yes. And it's like a gloved fist. You know, kind of like an armored up fist, and right through yeah. somebody's head. And it is like shot wise it's the exact shot it'd be like you know, hold it up to the director and say okay we're going to put this on the screen but just with well punisher instead of i mean I, I have seen my panels in films so uh i could imagine i mean what's the character in that punisher film was he wearing a helmet of some sort i can't remember that detail it's been a long time since i saw it but i mean it is this moment yeah so yeah. those buildings were quite fun i don't th um i, I I found it easier to draw those buildings without uh, easier than the blobby buildings in Mega City, I think. But but, <clears> but <throat> your lack of use of white media makes it still hard with these windows and things to to draw yeah. each of those and not cut cut in with white out. Yeah. Now um, the top right hand panel on the left hand page that does look like white out to me. Sure. Is that why? Yeah, you you took the toothbrush to it for sure. Oh, uh, is that what I did? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a toothbrush, is it? Yeah, I guess it must it's, be. It's a yeah. spatter. We'll, I'll say that. It's yeah. a spatter. So it's a whiteout. It is whiteout I was using. There is no other way of painting white onto artwork other than using whiteout. Looks like the there. paper sizes have been changing over, over the course of uh, this book. Well, I guess so. If, if they're being reproduced artwork size, I mean, I mean, you can see from what I showed you that the, um, the, the, the cover of number 11 is huge. Um, yeah. But the uh, these ones are look, they yeah. are smaller. You can see that. Kind of, so I yeah. guess they, they have changed in size. This chair is still making a lot of loud clacking noises. I think. There you go. I think I think when we did the original video where you and I were looking at this, I, I don't remember if I did this, but uh, that face is so symmetrical. That I wonder if you drew like kind of half of half the face and then traced it, or you I just might have done. It. Is it? Yeah, I might well have done. Yes, occasionally I do. I do like a symmetrical image occasionally. Yeah, I've just done a Wonder Woman cover, which uh, where have, she's looking square on at the viewer and uh, in a sort of hypnotic stare, <laughs> and uh, she, she's pretty symmetrical. But so I may have done.
But so, isn't the mouth a, isn't the mouth a little bit askew? Right. Not not very Possibly much. The just eyes. a little. Yeah. Brian, as as we progress through this book, do you get yeah. a sense of yourself getting confident, you know, as an artist? Because I, I look at like some of these pages and it feels like the layouts, the compositions, they're just yeah. incredible. And and you know, I wonder if that's something you remember developing over the course of. Yes, yeah, so I think I, by the by the time I, I mean, from a technical point of view, um, using the brush and the ink is a technical challenge because I, the brush only stays good for a while. I didn't. I never really liked a brand new brush, and and occasionally, eventually, the brush would get old and clogged up. And I was sort of do this. Um, no, oh, there it goes. You end up with bristles that don't actually, and they're not the same length. So that when they uh, impact on the paper, the, the two prongs of the brush separate. So you end up trying to draw a line and you end up drawing two lines by mistake. Um, but when I was drawing the um, 30 probably pages of the uh, Dark Judges, I, I was really flowing with that. The, 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 the tools of my trade were behaving very well and I was sort of motoring with it. Um, so I guess you could say I had a degree of confidence. Now we've got one of those glare effects on the left, haven't we? Would that be artist artist tape uh, for, for the white and ac the acrylic ink over top of that? Um, now you might be able to tell better than me because you can, you've got the book in front of you and I've just got a little screen. Does that look like white out to you? Uh, you know what, it I looks, was going to say I've... no, but then I see like little bits right there and it looks yeah, like I see some... pieces. I don't know, maybe, maybe cleaned up a little, uh, little bit. I think... I, I don't think I could possibly have painted that sky and and not painted the white. I think that is that is got to be white out, isn't it? Um, so, I, I mean, for instance, the sky would have been done as a wash. And, and um, you know, could this little blaster piece, this orange and, and yellow, could that be markers? Would that be crazy for you to use a marker? Um, do you know something you could probably tell better than me on that occasion? It, yeah, it looks like I might have. I might. I mean, it would have been a pen. It would have been definitely a. I mean, it could. Have, I could have even used crayon, sort of, sort of. Yeah, there know. are blue lines in this green that are just yes. like straight lines. It's it's hard. To... They could it could easily have been like Derwent um, crayons or something. Just That's anything really to try to uh, put put a little bit of color in there. Yeah, it's a great um, effect because it keeps that speed yeah. Yeah. going. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. There, there was an occasion where I didn't cheat and have all three of the bikes coming at you in the same direction. <laughs> does, does that? I don't think those bikes have been flipped, have they? Because uh, let's see. Yeah. The, the eagle's still the same, so it's not. Yeah just one drawn and then you flip it on tracing no, paper unless, unless you just fi fix that part but uh yeah i could have done that next page is looking very yellow i don't know why I was it's gonna ask, what, what do you think it was drawn on because it's the most kind of uh art like non-light fast whatever it looks like uh, it comes from the 1800s this piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> yeah someone did not yeah, i did i this. drew that <laughs> i drew that in the 1800s definitely yeah because <laughs> even the logo has you know like it's all consistently change um, color somebody well, I, I i don't know I, I i really can't remember what i feel that i supplied my own artboard uh, and i really can't remember where i go to get it or what kind of board it would... was there bristol board was there a thing called bristol board you would know better uh, than us for sure well i guess yeah, yeah, yeah bristol, bristol board would, would exist in 
yeah sure yeah uh, that name does ring a bell but I, I couldn't tell you whether i was using a different board for that you or know not. you know what i could say about this piece is um you know they, how this artwork is sourced from a lot of different places and uh different yeah. people are scanning it in i'm seeing yes. no brush strokes or anything so whoever scanned this in really could have been playing around with yeah, levels, levels in a weird way like because there's not one brush stroke so maybe by increasing oh. the levels to get the black pure black yeah it just bumped up <clears> some <throat> weird paper level it could color. be yeah the black is yes. super flat on that image you know it yes, almost looks like it's good. been printed yeah um yeah it could be couldn't it could easily be yes i think quite a lot of people um when asked they had this artwork in frames yeah. you know, behind glass, and they really didn't want to take it apart. Um, you know, take the back off and take the artwork out to scan it because it was just, you know, too much work, a little reward. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's for the good of comics culture to do that. But then when you, well, when you frame a good piece, piece of artwork, that could be that could be multi-hundreds of dollars of precision. That's right. Now, that's this page, isn't it? That same page, the, page. the Brian Bolland rain. Yeah, something to marvel at. This yeah, looks... I'm, I'm well known. I'm well known for my puddles. I do good puddles. <laughs> um, All drawn. <laughs> yeah, we discussed that, didn't we? We, we don't we need did. to cover that again. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. But, like, talk about looking difficult. And there was quite a good page to follow. I don't know whether that's coming up next, Let's but there's a good fight. Boom, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> the bingo button. Quite a decent fight scene there. Fight scene in the water. And once again, like, like you know, it's very rigorous work. But I remember yeah. I got the Eagle comic where Brian draws it again. <laughs> like the masochism of it. It's amazing. It's astounding. It's very inspirational. Now, the thing about those Eagle comics was that because the format in an in a American comic was taller and slimmer than these rather square pages, I think somebody put a bit of work into extending them upwards didn't they it depends like eagle the reproduction was good and uh yeah. they 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 managed it well i think there was just a kind of a uh, a little gutter or something like it was but it's when it gets to fleetway yeah. uh what's up what's uh i i ibc or no 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 when when it becomes quality comics, quality yes. comics, yes, they took your fucking artwork that you work so hard on in this nice kind of square, and they just skewed it, yeah, skinny, and so yeah. it extended this way to kind of abide by American comic book size. Yeah. So everybody yeah. has these like kidney bean heads, and <laughs> oh, and God. and the lettering is all italic or or like yes, very tall, like, skinny uh, lettering, yeah, yeah condensed. Yeah. And I remember yeah. thinking, because like the only British person I ever saw when I was a little kid <laughs> that I knew was definitely British was like Prince Charles. And he's kind of got that bean head. <laughs> and then so I'm looking at these comics <laughs> of all these bean head people. And I'm like, OK, in the UK, everybody just has a bean head. <laughs> now, <laughs> I did ask you in an email what a bean head was because I didn't <laughs> I didn't quite know what you meant but um yeah I mean I do all I did all the eagle covers for uh, um for Nick Landor at, at uh, Titan Books um and I loved the whole job and then um Des Skin took over with a quality uh, with quality and and only one of the covers that I'd drawn for Nick then went on the cover on the front of a, a quality and it was one where 
there's a gigantic ape and Judge Dredd is arresting him for some <laughs> for sort of destroying biplanes or something. Um, and, 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 and then I was no longer on the job and uh, I, I didn't see any of the quality uh, uh, reprints after that at all. The, but, uh, one of the great proprietors of, uh, of comics here, here, in, uh, here in Pittsburgh, Bill Boy Show, he, he has this whole thesis about how like the names of these kind of comic publishers point out their deficiencies. And when, and, and when, when it was quality comics... They were printed on the worst paper with the worst production <laughs> values and doing those oh, weird dear. bean head skew things, man. So it's like they're trying, they're they're uh they're over delivering in their in their uh, publisher yeah. title. Yeah. Now the red on that left hand um, page uh, cover was uh, was a stick on. It was plastic. Interesting. Yeah, I can't remember where I would have got it from or what it was, but I'm pretty certain. You don't think it was that... like a ruby lith or something? Because it looks like it's weird. I... It looks like it has brush strokes, doesn't it, Jimmy? It does. Yeah. Oh, does it? It does. Um, oh well, I mm, well I could be wrong then, but I seem to remember uh, sticking it on. I wonder um, if the adhesive I could be wrong. like is yeah, letting up in spots and yeah, things. Yeah, that would that would be possible. Yeah. Definitely. Now the right hand. Yeah, that's all airbrushed. Now the right-hand cover, um, Time Out magazine. Are you familiar with Time Out magazine? I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, Time Out magazine started as a little, um, we call it A five, sort of, a, sort of one of the underground. Because in the sixties we had kind of hippie underground alternative magazines like Oz and Friends and. Um, what were the others? Um, and Time Out was one of them. But so it covered a lot of um, left field kind of Jermaine Greer and people like that were in it. And then it was doing film reviews and then it was doing TV listings. And then it got bigger and it became the uh, guide to London. It, it was the, a weekly magazine that covered just about it, it had features at the beginning. And then at the back, it would have film reviews and what was going on in the theatre. And eventually it would have all the TV listings. And somehow they had cottoned on to the fact that this uh, Judge Dredd was popular. And, and I was very pleased to be asked to do the cover. I've still got a number of copies of this particular time out in the early 80s. Um, and uh, so that was the cover for that in full color. So yeah. uh, so the way this kind of thing would work here in the States is uh, like a guy at DC Comics get paid, gets paid whatever he gets paid to do page, pages for DC. And it's very laborious and... Uh, it's not for that much money, but every now and then somebody would get that opportunity to do a Rolling Stone cover or something. Yeah, uh, like the Rolling Stone or something. Yeah. So, but that would pay so much better. Uh, do you remember that being the same deal with this? No, I don't think they were particularly well paid. I see. Uh, I mean, the thing is, um, the cover of each week's um, Time Out would be a big sort of cardboard black and white cutout thing. So I was rather pleased to see large um, uh, sort of billboards of this. Well, not billboards, not the big things, but, you know, something about three feet high um, around various news agents. So I was really chuffed to see that. Um, and I did about five, I did about five timeout covers. There was an artist who used to do a lot of timeout covers called Mick Brownfield, um, who I've recently got to know, and uh, oh, I loved his Time Out covers. Yeah, um, I, I, I've got to digress for a little bit. Um, 
have you ever heard of the Quatermass series? There was a British TV series in the 50s and they made it into films called the Quatermass. I've the heard Quatermass it mentioned. I've never seen yeah. it. Quatermass and the Pit. And a good many years later, they, uh, they were doing a new TV series of Quatermass and the Pit and they had John Mills, the actor, and Mick Brownfield did this illustration of John Mills done in a very pen and inky kind of style on the cover of Time Out. And the following issue, um, he had the face of the alien from the film Alien bursting out of last week's cover in full sort of 3D, three-dimensional um, airbrushed effect. And it was great. And he'd done a lot of uh, really good uh, covers. So I was rather pleased to be following in his footsteps doing some timeout covers. Brian, is this all done on one plane? Is this... Is, is this all done on like one sheet or are there layers here? Are you painting um, like no. Judge Dredd and then putting frisket on it to do the airbrush? No, How does that um, work? Oh, I mean, I, I put the frisket on the um, the figures to, to airbrush the blue background. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh, Oh, and by the way, that is my lettering in that word balloon. It's shit, I must admit. It's not as, <laughs> it's not as professional as Tom Frame or somebody, but I... He wasn't involved in this, so I had to do it myself. And as you can see, I've never been a decent letterer. It looks like he used rulers on it. Uh, possibly, for, for yeah. Uh, and stuff. It, it, real struggle, yeah, to, to do some decent, completely. I, 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 I once did a story in a, there's a group called The Residents. So have you heard of The Residents? And they did a, a CD freak show, and it came with a graphic novel. And um, I drew one of the stories in it. And I did all the lettering myself, and the, <laughs> the lettering is terrible. So, Brian, uh, that begs the question, do you know who the residents are? I do. That's, that's sexy, man. That's, <laughs> that's like knowing who Banksy is. <laughs> I do. Would we know um, who they are? Well, I would have thought so. <laughs> I mean, you may, you may have, I mean, I don't know how familiar, I mean, but their representative is Homer Flynn, who is uh, the head of the Cryptic Corporation. And his partner, Hardy Fox, um, was also part of it, but, but he died, sadly. And he was recently credited as being the composer for The Residence, but he's no longer with us. I see. Yeah. There's there's one uh, long lost piece of, of of comics production on almost all of these pages here. And we see it right here on this piece where we see 83%. And uh, often... You know, an artist can choose what size they want to draw something at. You know what the final dimensions are. But it used to be this yeah. arcane little tool called, I guess, a proportion wheel or a yeah. reduction wheel. Reduction wheel, yeah. Reduction wheel. And, uh, yeah. and uh, that's what these percentages are indicative of. You reduce this 83%, and that is the size of your Time Out magazine cover. I can't actually see it. Is there um, a... a Something in that corner that I yeah, can't see. What does yeah, it say? 83%. I, I, I can't imagine it would have been me. I mean, I would have just drawn the thing and they would have then reproduced it, you know, the, the size they wanted. I, I, I wouldn't have known. I don't think I would have known it was 80, 83%. I see. To be quite honest. Yeah. So that's, that's a puzzle I, I don't really know. All of this is full colour. I, I I was never really a master of color. Actually, I, I struggled with with color all the way through uh, to uh, the in, the Invisibles with uh, with Vertigo. Really, it's so fascinating was, was... to hear that because you because there's clear there is a Brian Bolland palette, 
and and, and, the... and you see it here there is i can't explain i can't describe mm -hmm. it but but like i i know it when i see your color yeah the, these pieces are so vibrant and you showed us a couple of pieces in one of our previous interviews and it was the same deal just very vibrant yes <clears throat> Yeah, I showed you the uh, the tank girl, a couple yeah. of tank girls. And I, uh, to hear you like. say, you know, that, that color's not your thing or whatever, you must throw up when you look at most modern comics because <laughs> these are so superior to most coloring. <laughs> um, well, I think I said in a previous interview that I'm not really very good with color. I um, When my wife says to me, um, uh, the person wearing the, the yellow shirt, I, I can't... God, was somebody wearing a yellow shirt? I just don't notice color at all. I think being a, you know, comic art for me is, is about drawing lines. Um, because in American comics, you know, the artist drew lines, basically, and the colorist would then be somebody else, wouldn't they? And, and they would come and fill, fill in the lines. But uh, gradually, as people like Vertigo required me to, to come up with fairly sophisticated full color cover, full color work, um, I my wife worked on some of them with bits of them with me and uh, but I can't see any there that she did that that looks like it's all me it looks to me as if that sky behind the chicken man uh, it was kind of swiped on with some tool or other I see wasn't it? it it was smudged it was kind of smudged on wasn't it looks like it it's really yeah. interesting to go through like these three where you have your clearly airbrush, very smooth yeah. background. And then this, yes. you know, has painting texture, even like maybe that you're dabbing something on with a rag yes. or something the way that, that's. Yeah, built. that looks that looks like the rag thing again, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, you know, yet another approach to the background color. That's it's really great to see that. Yeah. Can you see from where you are what material that's done in because it looks like i masked everything out very carefully on on, on then, this guy or this guy on, oh, no, on or the right hand the, the sky and the right hand one because it's all done in a kind of because i'm left-handed you see so everything goes from top left to bottom right we're seeing given marks. the choice we're seeing more yeah. here uh, you are yes that must have been put on possibly with a with a rag or not a rag a handkerchief or something like that. i i would bet that the yellow was airbrushed on there because because there's yes possibly. the stuff that's not yellow like is where the marks are yeah oranges yeah. and things and yeah. it feels like there's a layer of cake up here <laughs> compared to really? down here yeah like yeah. It's, just, it's so opaque up here yeah i wish i could tell you but i i, I haven't got it in front of me so uh and there's so I, much precision I... required too man in the pinstripes yeah, yeah. I mean, think about pinstripes. I, I remember a friend of mine was re really amused with me because whenever I drew Zatanna, I was always very interested to try to get the, the fishnets on her legs going in the right direction. And for a while I was getting it wrong, and I realised after a while that I, why I was getting it wrong. But there was one picture where she was crouching, and I had to work out how fishnet, fishnet stockings would go when a person is kneeling. And, and I didn't have anybody to model for me, so I had to work it out. But uh, occasionally, um, it's it's a convention in comics that even though somebody might be wearing a pinstripe suit, you just draw parallel lines, basically. Yeah, right. yeah, that kind of it, it's just it, yeah, it's just something that's kind of forgiven every every you know it's a, it's a, it's an affectation of comics that occasionally you just draw 
even though their knees are bent or their arms are bent, you just draw parallel lines. Because Gu it... Guilty as charged. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, that was uh, for, was Gary Groth um, in charge of Amazing Heroes? It was a Fantagraphics fanzine, wasn't yeah, it? If, if he wasn't, uh, Kim Thompson was. Uh, yes, yes, it would have been, yeah. And it was... Um, the European, the, well, the British invasion, really. I don't know whether it was a European invasion, was it? <laughs> it shows to show like the, uh, it's all Europe to to uh, to, to to us, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although over here we've just voted to be out of Europe, so That's true. God, yeah, not me. Oh, a political statement there. I should say out of we that. We have a, we have a portrait, self-portrait of Uncle Brian here with a residence pin, by the way. That's when I wasn't wearing the. Uh, the white beard that I currently, uh, um, yes, a residence pin. I, I've cre I've sneaked all sorts of things into my my work. You know, all sorts of references. I'm a big fan of the group Ween, and I've um, occasionally drawn the Ween logo, especially on uh, Tank Girl covers. But yeah, there's a residence pin there. Oh, the Titan Eagle Years. Oh God, all those crappy little pencil roughs and, it, wow, and that's what that is that's just that's just to, sh to show the editors a, a direction yes 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 before every cover i i have to show them what my idea and and i i tend to come up with the idea well sometimes they um specify something they want but uh, i often just do a a rough on spec and uh so i used to do like three and then um, I think I may have said before that um, they always used to choose my least favorite of the three. So uh, eventually I cut it down it's to one. It's incredible how that works. It, it always goes that <laughs> way. Does. And, then it, and mm. then it lets you know like why they're the editors and you're the yeah. artist because taste, you can't, you can't go to school and learn taste. I remember reading a, <laughs> a, a Paul Rand book and he would talk about doing one, one proposal. Like you no don't proposal. get choices. Like like when he did like the cover for I mean the the logo for Next Computer for Steve Jobs. You give me one hundred fifty thousand dollars and I provide you a logo. <laughs> There's no talking about it. Yes. <laughs> Brian, how big would would these be? Would this, um, did you work a standard size? Well, we have a thing here called A4. Um, it they are the A sizes. Uh, you get um, paper in A4, which is a about 11 inches high, I would say, by, say, eight. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about that, whatever, I can't remember the actual figures, but the, the clever thing about the A sizes is that if you were to flip that page, so there were two of them, that the proportion would still be exactly the same. But, you know, yeah. as, as you flip it over and double it in size, the, the proportion going that way remains the same ratio. Right. So we have A5, which, um, oh, it's such a nice feature. It really is. Because we don't get it with our eight and a half by 11. No, yeah. we don't. No. We, we always got to do things difficult here. Oh, really? <laughs> well, <laughs> we are somewhere between metric and imperial over in this country. <laughs> we're, still drive, we're still driving miles and we still fill up gas tanks with, with full of gallons. Although I think on the pump, it's no, actually, that's not true. I'm lying. I it's think it does, say, it does say liters now. I think, how about inches? But yeah, we still use inch. Well, I still use inches and feet, but my son, probably being 26, only thinks in metric. 
Uh, and of course, we have Celsius in temperatures, which makes sense to me because when it's zero, it's freezing. freezing of course, makes sense. Uh, which is very convenient. The really. metric all but... makes sense to me. Like, like I'm just going by uh, what we were taught because they're telling me to. But uh, the metric uh, is very, very sensible. Celsius is very, very sensible. I, I, I think it, I think it's I think it's a sinister commie plot myself. <laughs> oh my! Goodness. What have we got here? <laughs> we we got the rough oh, the... for uh, the first cover and then the, the final. Yes, piece. that's right. Yes, yeah. So that that rough is pretty tight. Uh, would that be autograph projected, or are you just gridding or eyeballing? No, I I I will be autograph projecting by then because this is well well into the eighties, and I yep. think I would have bought myself the autograph by now because it's pretty much the same drawing isn't it yeah now i remember this cover getting the the uh mechanical color treatment like with bend yep. a dots and all that like whenever it's printed i wonder what these registration dots are for um well i i would imagine it's so that i don't know quite i, I would imagine it's so that the uh, i mean the color would have been put on by some means that i don't didn't know right Possibly blue line or no, it couldn't have been blue line. Could it, it? It, it was the mechanical process with the dots. But, yes. but I guess when, when those layers go on, you want to make sure that they're reasonably aligned. It was such a striking yeah. cover, yeah. you know, to launch a series with, yes. to really it, launch it, a character it, to a new it audience. It was, it was, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Plus, plus they did the right thing, and every story was a Brian Ballin story too. Yeah, it didn't hurt. <laughs> well, it started with my stuff, didn't it? Yes. It yeah. Did. They bounced around too, from what I remember. Uh, we got a revisit. We did a episode on that on that issue, and and it wasn't like a sequential amount of like progs. It was like we'll grab this one from this year, this one from that year, and. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I will say that um, Nick Landor, Mike Lake, and Mike Luckman jointly. I I, I better get this right, but uh, Mike. Um, her, Nick Landor opened Forbidden Planet in 78 and then he moved into publishing with Titan Books and the very first Titan book was uh, was all me. It, I did a new cover and it was all my stuff and it had these extra pages like the, the one with the rats that I showed you down here um, and it was all put together on the floor of my flat so the very first Titan book um, was my stuff and paginated with Nick and me on, on the floor of my flat in London. And he then went on to make an empire out of um, wow. Eagle Comics and Titan, well, Titan Book. I mean, Eagle Comics only lasted a short while, I think. Yeah. Um, but Titan Books are now still going. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that with us because I was, you know, this is a publisher that that I, man, I might have the entire bibliography of every issue of all of Eagle Comics, but mm. I don't know much about the behind the scenes players. This was always one of my favorite covers, and I would look at it on Comic Art Fans forever. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, they had it on there, and and I and I remember when this was announced, and it was like, man, I hope that cover's in there. I don't remember the. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm shouting. I don't remember the uh, story that um, inside that one. I think a lot of the time you keep these comics in plastic bags, and consequently you tend to just look at the front, and, <laughs> and you don't look don't look on the inside. So I I can't remember. This is my that first one. issue that I bought as as a kid. Oh right, yeah. I th I think I did a few versions of that in rough prelim form, but that was Satanus, wasn't it? Could not believe. Can't quite. What's he What's he saying? This is your um, last chance to surrender, man. See. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of course. And he's trying to arrest the plant in the previous one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> See, that this very much feels like the uh, Forbidden Planet kind mm -hmm. of uh, composition. It does. It's, it's very much... I do a lot of kind of posed photos of people just kind of sitting, looking at the viewer. Uh, and um, But I, I love the way the the lead character is on the floor in the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at the um, look at the uh, attention paid to those ropes. Yeah, yeah. I did a I, I, I did a newly coloured version of that myself. Um, I, I was quite pleased with that cover, and I I, um, I coloured it myself on in Photoshop for a poster. And so I still have a, a sort of a large ish print of that, which I have got. I still I, I sell at conventions occasionally. These these Eagle Comics they, these are my sweet spot. These are how I discovered your work, uh, Brian. And yeah. then I remember like through the grapevine because I had I had nobody to talk to about comics growing up. Like Jim is the only the first guy I had to talk comics with, and I was twenty one years old. Uh, oh. When when I heard that like yeah that Brian Bolling guy he drew a whole comic called Batman Killing Joke. Like I couldn't believe that there would be a whole issue of uh, something original with this level of, of craft in there. Oh, oh there's yeah. the Satanist the, things. Yeah. Oh, there's Satanus again. Yes, I, I knew I'd drawn, oh my God, four other versions. Five. Five. Is that him at the bottom? Yeah, that's that's five of them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I must <laughs> that's have- That's a good um, one. It's, that was yeah, so phallic looking. <laughs> that would have oh, yeah. done. <laughs> um, and there's- um, That's a classic. Oh yes, that one. Yeah, I did a. Um, I was repeating ideas on on my DC covers. So I think one of my Camelot covers, number ten, I think, was very much like that. It was completely side-on view of of, of um, King Arthur and some of the others, kind of being shot at, and it was all side view on. You said the magic word, Brian Camelot three thousand. Do you think that uh, in the future you could uh, join us and, and talk some Camelot? Yeah, if oh, you've not so had enough of me by now. Oh, impossible. How about oh. the lighting on that right there? It's it's amazing. All of these covers are so impressive to me because of the amount yeah. of like energy and the scale yeah. they feel like. Like they feel bigger than the cover. Totally. It's it's great. Oh. And that eye, you know, like as a point of interest, you, you we talked about Alex Toth earlier, and I always think about him doing demos on like how you create a point of interest. And that eye is such that point of interest, that, that round spot in the middle of the darkness. Oh. Yeah. Very striking. I'm wondering whether I would have posed for the hands. I mean, those hands are lit fairly drastically, aren't they? Yeah, I don't really remember. Solid. I don't remember posing for that. But uh, great knuckles. Yes. Good knuckles. I like a good knuckle. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the inking approach creates a very like I know this texture. You know, it's a it's a very tactile yeah. texture, and it's all done through the kind of noodling yes i try I, i've got a tendency to be a little bit too technical drawingy about my inking some of the time my inking is very um a sort of um kind of parallel you know the uh, the lines are but i always admired we covered neil adams i was admired that the anarchic inking style of adams and i try to remember to, to do scruffy lines every month like one of the places night. where you did it well was in the uh it was the eagle cover that was the big tank coming down on uh 
Oh, yes, yes, I remember that one. Is that in this book? Uh, you know, I um, don't know. I don't know. No, if it is, we're know. getting there, because it's like the yeah, Carlos Esquerza issues. Yeah, I, I think I spent a long time just scratching back and forth with a pen for that. Now, that's that cover I was talking about, the Block yes. Wars, where they're all kind of falling to, the, to their deaths. <laughs> but meanwhile, they're all shooting each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, man. Oh, yeah, it's uh, not a particularly conventional-looking composition, is it, really? But it works, I think. Yeah. And, and what's again? on the right is pretty much a um, repeat of that panel from the uh, the, the the rain story we, yeah. we looked at earlier. Yeah, this is and what we talked about earlier. Where I'm like, and then he chose to do that on the cover. Like, it's look incredible. at all of that. This is yeah. another one that's very evocative, like uh, an EC cover. Sure. To me, like one of the war comics or, or something. Even shock suspense stories, man. Yeah. Let's go on, let's go on a fishing <laughs> oh. trip, Jimmy. I just took out <laughs> some insurance on you. Yes. <laughs> uh, here it is. Oh, the there it is. There it is. Oh yeah. Both, bo you know, both of these, and and uh, what always struck me is, uh, it's these. Both of these have the Carlos Esquerza almost exclusive on the interior, and he Carlos uses these kinds of marks that are almost crumb like. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Oh yes, I know what you're saying. So it's crumb. like you were kind of channeling him a little bit with with this kind of because you don't use these marks very often. No, no, you're right. Um, Look at this thing. And of uh, uh, and of course, the idea of Russian tanks rolling over something is just unthinkable, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just I keep staring. It looks like an etching. Yeah, it really does. Uh, just beautiful. Uh, that isn't there's a isn't there's a foot in that one, isn't it, sticking out of the rubble? Yeah, yeah. you pointed out uh, in the killing joke that there was a foot sticking out of um, the dirt. You're, you're developing a or, motif. I, think it was I just believe the, the French call it a late motif. <laughs> but I think that one's an actual person there, isn't it? Now that's a cover on the left where I just didn't have an idea, so I just drew a face basically. It worked well enough to become the back end papers for this thing, I believe. Does it? I think oh, so. I think it does. Look at the uh, there, there's like rim lighting, the secondary lighting on there. Oh uh, yes, yeah, that's right. Creating those those planes, you know, you feel the. The curve of that skin of that face right there. I love the contrast yeah. between the hatched lines, you know, on the skin doing flesh, yeah. and then like underneath the eagle beak is a totally different line. Yeah. Often, yeah. Often, like this kind of, it's like a five o'clock shadow kind of, kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, hatching. Now, the, on the right is, uh, it's one of those occasions where I repeat the same cover again, but in a different context. Yeah. Genius. I did that. I did that with some Animal Man covers. I actually pretty much repeated that cover on an Animal Man on one occasion. Did they ever put a book together? Like we got this uh, Dave McKean book that has all the um, Sandman covers. Did they ever do that with your Animal Man stuff? Or just... no, no, no. I mean, there are. I mean, there is a DC cover book. You know, a collection of a lot of my covers, but I really can't remember what was included in that. I've got it over there somewhere, but I haven't looked at it for a while. Yeah, that might Could be, be that might be this this kayfabe effect uh, video book that I grab off of eBay before we <laughs> release this video to the wild. <laughs> um, I remember this cover. Oh yes, um, that was a um, an idea that I eventually did in full color on in Photoshop, and uh, it's a fin it's a finished uh, color cover, and I sent it to them. Um, and neither, it, it was never used. Um, and I remember speaking to them at 2000 AD and saying, did you ever use that cover? 
Um, and they still never have. And I, I, I made a, a, a large size print of that as well in full color, which I sell at conventions occasionally. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen The Last of Us, The, the Last of Us, the, the TV show? I haven't, no. Oh, it's good. It's very good. It's all about some kind of fungal affection, that, uh, infection, which um, is taking over, pretty much it has wrecked um, the human population of, of the earth. Um, it's pretty good. And it's, it's this kind of fungus that's growing out of people's faces. Mm -hmm. I think I ought to take a cut. <laughs> did did uh you know just going by that comics interview cover with the brian boland self-portrait uh before yeah. was did you did this start with a boland uh self-portrait and and grow into uh, no this? that is a completely made-up face amazing wow. it's yeah, stuff like these guys it's just it's, yeah it's, it's it's just it's uncanny it's another one of those like that that perfect circle in there you know the white field and then you've got your black circle yeah it's just such a draw and especially on something a, like did. this with all your round mushrooms and it's that eyeball mm. that you go to. Yeah. So are those mushrooms, they're hand drawn. I'm not using some kind of ellipse. Now the thing is one of my, one of my tricks is that I do like um, the characters on covers to be looking at the viewer. I think when you look at a cover and the, and the cover is looking back at you or the person in, in the cover is looking back at you. I think it's very, there's more of a connection. You think, oh, I want to learn more about this character. I did that's that with uh, all of the Street Angel hardcovers yeah. when I went with Image. And that was my yeah. same thought. As you're scanning the, uh, you know, the wall of comics, this one is going to be looking right at you. It's like you're going to make yeah. eye contact as you're the, looking around. There is this thing, isn't there, where people say the eyes are follow, follow you around the room. And of course they, they do, don't they? If, you, if you've got a painting and the... The, the person in the painting is looking straight at the viewer, then wherever you are in the room, that figure is going to follow you around the room. Are there any special tricks for getting such accurate perspective lines? Uh, I do remember doing that, and I think that's where my technical drawing um, obsess obsessiveness came into it. I, I do, there are ways of, I mean, that's an occasion surely where I just painted the black bits. Isn't yeah, it? I can't see any white out on there, can you? No, no. not at all. And but... I think I would have used that sort of um, um, taping the end of the ruler to the page and then just moving it. And I can't remember how I got it so exact, really, but I was pretty keen to do that. It's it's, it's just so amazing, you know, like mm. it, it, especially when you have such a grid of stuff. Yeah. If something's off one millimeter, you can t your eye just naturally can see that the gray value is a little different in that one spot and it's just not that way it's it's no. so tight yeah yeah i mean i can do that in photoshop now because i can just move something 10 pixel pixels right. you know totally. so if, if you have the pen tool and you have a a point there and a point there and it draws a line between the two if you just select one of the points you can just press the up and down keys on this the keyboard and it will move it 10 pixels for you so you can make things very useful now that's the cover i drew that's the very last one i drew for nick landor at eagle as he called himself um which uh, and, and then uh, des skinner quality had taken it over they made a deal of some description with ipc or whoever they were at the time and and that cover was the last one i, I did for them 
didn't do anymore. Fantastic it's, image. It's very funny. Which is a shame because I was really enjoying them and there was lots more good material to to um, borrow from. Oh, there's DR and Quinch. Yeah. yeah. Boom. This piece makes me so happy because we get to see a strontium dog <laughs> yes. from uh, Uncle Brian and uh, any number of judges. Some more yes. uh, DR and Quinch characters. There's a guy there with an arm growing out of his head. Um, the Gronk is down there on the left, sort of um, just in just in front of the girl with the single hair, sort of growing out of her forehead. Yeah, the Gronk. Oh yeah, there's the arm guy. There's the arm guy. Yes, and, that's amazing. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of characters there. That got... I did a newer version of that cover with a lot of new characters on in full color. In because I've continued to do covers. Occasionally, I, I did one recently for their 45th anniversary issue. Another strong set. Look at this thing. This is a thing of <clears throat> nightmares. Yeah. I'll see yeah. That. I have no idea where those ideas came from. <laughs> but we've got DR and we've got DR and Quinch. I, I really like DR and Quinch, and uh, so it was a treat to just draw them on the cover. There he is, covered in spiders. Oh, so so awesome! And the the lighting, you know, like you got these legs coming coming off, but you still see all this accurate lighting in between. You never get lost. Yeah. Not a terribly good Adolf Hitler, though. It doesn't really look like him. <laughs> you don't need too much to get it right. Like there's there's nobody who's going to confuse him with anybody yeah, else. Yeah, that's true. Oh no, he's he's got the trademark mustache, isn't he? I just can't get over this because there's something like childlike about it, but then to see it like. It does feel like Lit. something a kid would draw, and then this is like the, <laughs> let me do the real drawing of it. Right. It's very Carlos. I, I, I'm sure it would have been a, Carl, a Carlos creature. Yeah. I, I can't imagine I would have made that up. Oh, God. Uh, we'll, we'll oh, there's DR. Uh, now, you do know what that is a, a, a swipe from, don't you? Yeah, it's a flash. Mm -hmm. It's showcase, it's showcase, showcase, num showcase number four from 1950. Is it six or seven? I can never get it right. But it was the, some say it was the very first. It was the beginning of the Silver Age, right. wasn't right. it? When when um, superheroes were brought back from the dead, really, in 1950, whatever it was. And, Let's go to the early years. Cheaper. Yeah. Awesome. Now this is some really really early stuff. This is probably before I'd really settled into Joe's Dread. And and these future shocks are, are shorter strips for uh, yeah. for 2000 AD. So. Uh, was was that you were new to to the this enterprise or was it a speed issue like we could um no i was new it was pretty new. i think that was before i even did my first um uh, judge dread i think we're moving into early just early stuff now aren't we? oh we're moving into walter the robot now that guy top left the guy looks like now that looks like a swipe from a real person doesn't it i did the, the guy who's got the other fellow oh this guy uh, right here that guy there, it looks like a real person, but a, I, I don't know whether I might have found a face like that and pinched it from... There you go. It's a good face. I couldn't, I couldn't say it. Had to get a lot oh, of story gonna... in on these comics. A lot of yeah, I used, to, I used to be able to do one of those a day. I mean, not every day, but, you know, I mean, they were weekly, but uh, I could... I, I was living in Chiswick, um, which is a part of West London, <clears throat> not far from the Thames, and I, I do remember sitting in a room, drawing those sometimes in a day. 
Hmm. Great lettering and perspective. Yeah, I was looking at those. You're not not oh, giving yourself any uh, easy things to draw here. Never does. <laughs> no it's shortcuts. It's a big lesson. I, I, I do have most of that artwork here, by the way. The, all these Walter the Wobots. I supplied those myself. Um, because they're not, they're not very saleable. I, I, I've not really had anybody offering to buy them. <laughs> oh, you will now. You're going to be getting some Facebook messages after this video goes live. <laughs> Okay, well, let's have, let's have the offers coming my way then, please. I think I was doing some very cheeky. There's Adolf again yeah, on the right. Um, that dates dates me talking about that sort of stuff. And we haven't had the Don Martin character crop up yet, have we? Yeah, yeah I mean that's quite early because the Judge Dread in the bottom left-hand corner, he still 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 had that round-shaped helmet, right, and the round-shaped eyes as well. So it must have been quite early there. It must have been, yeah. Such a point in time but too, some, man. Yeah. Where, where pirate radio is a thing. Long gone. Oh, there's yeah. Don Martin. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah, Festa Besta Tester from Don Martin. Yes, and and there's a kind of a hunchback again character yeah i was a good, I, I loved i loved um don martin's um cartoons so it was an affectionate swipe oh, oh yeah that, uh, that's clear on the page for sure yeah yeah feels like early uh, use of that that texture that that uh, rag, is that what texture is? yeah probably yeah it's yeah. neat to see some of those things that you would do you know years later or continuing through your career seeing some of that stuff on these early pages one of those um credit um stickers came off recently i've got it lying around here somewhere um but uh i can't what, find it like i've always known 2000 ad to to have the credit boxes and things but like what was the idea of the art bodger or something that kevin o'neill did like what was that they talk about it in a i think we i think we were art droids weren't we well, the, the, I'll tell you exactly what that. I mean, it's worth checking out some a, a, length, a really lengthy interview with Kevin. I, Kevin was um, we were we were all pals. We sort of used to go to the pub once a month together. Dave, Kevin, Mick, and me. And I knew him as a one of my friends. And and I never really uh, knew the extent of Kevin's work and how great it was. But the thing I didn't really appreciate at the time was that that all through uh, um, up till the time of 2000 AD, not only did IPC not return artwork, but they also didn't credit any of the artists. Um, but when, um, I don't know whether DC and Marvel were crediting people in 1977, but, but Kevin, when Kevin was working in the art department of 2000 AD, he talked somebody, and I can't remember the name, he did say who it was, uh, into... Um, putting these stickers on where he called us all art droids <laughs> and um, even the members of the editorial staff he had sort of robot versions of them so now this is a really early thing there was a comic called action yeah. um, um, pat mills was part of um, involved with action which was a fairly controversial comic because it had a, a very blood thirsty uh, shark uh, hook jaw was he called Hookjaw, yes, um, and there was it came under a lot of criticism because the, it was quite graphic, um, and that was in action. And this this was I think this was my, probably my first, or pretty much <coughs> my first interior job for wow. IPC was this. 
This future sports stuff is 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 funny because that, that shows up in 2000 AD early on too. With with I think it's the Dave Gibbons stuff. Uh, Harlem Heroes is like some kind of weird. Yes, well, Harlem team. Heroes was in was in the first issue of 2000 AD, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was in number one. Right. Prog one with Harlem Heroes. Yeah. I mean, we've just been, we've been just doing Power Man, which was a black su- Superman basically, and. Uh, and I think they thought Dave would be perfect for Harlem Heroes, which was like the Harlem Globetrotters, wasn't it? Um, Boy, and, and make, making you do a... these bikes early on too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, was this? This was based on a film, wasn't it? Wasn't a, um, was this called Spinball, or is this strip called Spinball? There was there was Rollerball. Rollerball. That was Rollerball. Were they on motorbikes? I don't think they were on motorbikes, but there was some motorization. It was kind of. Um, uh. Yeah, what's the like roller derby combined with you know spike gloves and and things of that nature? James Caan, yeah. I think, was in that. Yeah, I think this was because a lot of the ideas we had in in these comics, but somebody had seen a film, and they thought, oh, let's. let's I mean, the whole of 2000 AD really came along because there had been Star Wars. Um, back in the 50s, there was a science fiction comic called Eagle. Uh, with Dan Dare, beautifully drawn, some of it, and uh, but it had fizzled out in the 60s, and uh, science fiction just wasn't selling. And then suddenly, Star Wars came along, and they thought um, we ought, maybe we should do a sci-fi comic, and I, that's why 2000 AD came along. And another comic that I read as a boy, as you know, when I was 14 or so, was Valiant, containing we've discussed this before, the Steel Claw, drawn by Jesus Flasco, as I call him. And um, written by Tom Turley, I think, was it? Uh, so, and, um, so was Valiant still coming out? Like, like this is a printed cover for Valiant? Um, it may have halted for a bit, and it may have been one of those occasions when they brought it back. That was just a summer special. I don't think it was coming out on a weekly basis the way it was when I was a kid. Um, they, they, they bring these things back temporarily, and they, they don't last very long. And there's that end paper you talked about. What is, Look what at the statement. size of that thing. <laughs> my God, it's big, isn't it? <laughs> I've just seen your tiny hands. Yeah, like, look, he's eating my whole hand. Yeah. <laughs> what a book. Did you yes. ever think you would get books this big in your own house? Like, it's this is like reference material at the Library of Congress or something. It's not just your former president that has very tiny hands, is it? It's <laughs> you as well. <laughs> Amazing, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us to go through. Well, it's a, it's a, it's been a great pleasure. It's always fun talking to you, and as I, I always, I can talk talk about myself endlessly. <laughs> See, You're... you said that, and, and we held you to that <laughs> yes. this time. And, yeah, I know. And Camelot three thousand is on the mind now, man. So next time, like maybe we, maybe we can reconvene at a later date. By the way, I, I have to plug this. You see, this is uh, this is my other project, which is the actress and the bishop, and. Uh, this is currently out at the moment. It's it's all me, uh, from cover to cover. So uh, check that out. Actress and, actress and the Bishop. Go to your local comic shop. Go on Amazon. Whatever's convenient. Scoop up this yeah. book. Brian's memoir is coming out. What what what's the title of your memoir? So people can Google that. Um, it's it is called. Um, oh, I lost it. Oh, here it is. There it is. That that's the cover. Uh, you can see the title of it there. It's about time. I think there have been a number of things called It's About Time. There was a film called About, about Time. But as you can see, the two letters at the end are a different color. But uh, 
and so that's the front cover and the um, and the spine of of this thing. And it comes in a a box. You can buy uh, the the special edition in a kind of uh, kind of a, a box that's completely different um, with a few extra bits. And I think that's going to be out in March. Amazing, hopefully. fantastic! Mm. Thank you so much. And I encourage everybody to uh, follow uh, Brian Bullen's uh, Instagram, where he's putting out a little bit. Oh of yeah, stuff. I put. Yeah, whenever I find something I haven't seen for a while, or somebody finds something, I tend to put it on Instagram. And I'm on Facebook. There is a Brian Bolland Appreciation Society page on Facebook, and uh, I I go on it occasionally to annoy people. And uh, they're not allowed to continue being in that group if they don't see, watch these videos. Yes. Absolutely. No. <laughs> disqualified. Don't watch these. Everybody. And I shall plug these videos. Um, you, somebody was saying that you are the go-to commentators on comics these days. You do it all the well, time, don't you? We do consider ourselves the I mean, greatest that, that, modern. That's what I say. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no. And we may have paid anyway. them to butter you up so that you would join us uh, on this uh, glorious uh, Sunday, I believe, is when we're going to put this video out. Uh, so, oh, okay. So, Brian, thank right. you. Thank you so much. I know it's getting really late there. Uh, you're so gracious and generous with your time. M much appreciated. Everybody go buy the books. Actress and the Bishop. Uh, grab the memoir book. Follow uh, Brian Bullen on, on Instagram. Uh, th thank you so much and, and have, a, have a nice night. Goodbye to you. <laughs>